Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, another episode of the PCP. I'm your host, Quince. This week's guest, the one and only Aaron Patrick. How are you, Aaron? Pretty good, Quince. How are you, buddy? Good, man. Really happy you agreed to stop by. It took some uh, took some uh, maneuvering on my part, but uh, I'm happy to have you here, man. Hey, man. Anytime I can support my brother in something that he's happy and passionate about, I'm willing to do it. There you go, yeah. Unless it gets really fucking weird knowing you. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't take long to get weird with me either. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is episode number 12. Can you believe that? I can't. Dirty oh, dozen. Dirty dozen. Dirty dozen. Cheaper by the dozen. <laughs> the quality cheapens by the dozen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, but uh, I want to, before we get started, I want to give a shout out. Uh, J&R Jerky, our new, uh, our new sponsor here. It's my buddy Randy <clears throat> uh, from that I went to military school with. He's starting a jerky company. And I got the bag here in front of me, spicy jerky. Yeah, they're uh, they're on Instagram at J at Jr Jerky. They're out uh, out of Oshawa. They got a website coming out soon, and uh, yeah, excited for this partnership. Keep it spicy. I love dehydrated flesh. <laughs> Big meat guy. Big meat guy. Over well, here. you just bought a Traeger. Yes, I did. Yeah. Tell Traeger us about tailgater. That. So, wood pellet fired stove little bit expensive as far as the initial price point goes but you know just the different flavored pellets that you can get the mesquite the hickory you can kind of customize what you what you want your meat to to actually taste like once you feed the pellets through the hopper right like it's just you set this thing at 500 degrees it gets up to 550 no problem in about 10 minutes it's got enough space wow. no it's uh and they're built like a brick shit house it looks like somebody just decided to you know put a fancy logo on an oil drum that they cut in half honestly but they're built well the warranty's great and i'm so far i'm absolutely ecstatic about it yeah well i figured i'm 32 right like i already love world war ii and world war one history i gotta get into smoking meat that's how it goes exactly that's the that's the linear progression 100 percent. Yeah. you know i'm a dad in training you know yeah. dress for the job you want right exactly yeah there i can't believe you're 32 man because i remember it, it was probably 01 or 02 we were living in Waterdown at the time and yeah. you were playing your sega genesis you were playing sonic or something yeah. and i came up behind you with a little wooden louisville slugger bat and i cold clocked you in the back of the head yeah i'm pretty sure i was out cold for a good 30 to 60 seconds and that was the only time i ever got one over on you and that's the only time i've ever felt legitimately fearful of you quincy honestly <laughs> i never knew what, i never knew when it was coming again it's like that episode of family guy where stewie looks at brian he's like i'll get you back but when is the question or maybe the other way around but from that point forward, I knew you had murder in your heart and violence in your fucking soul. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've been trying ever since that day to replicate that. Like, I'll never forget um, 2008 or early 2009, your first visit after you were in the Army. You just graduated basic, and you came home back to Burlington. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, today's the day I'm going to show them my skills. I was like, Aaron, you don't have shit. Like, come here. I'll, I'll take you right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried to throw a left hook to the ribs, and you just freaking you just caught it and then put me on my ass in like three seconds yeah well i mean at the end of the day i fought a lot of big guys quincy and <laughs> i invite you at any sign to try your luck but i'm not promising you it's gonna go well for you no but i keep trying yeah you keep trying that's all that matters in life right just keep trying fall down break something bleed somewhere get back up try again right? exactly wipe yourself off but i think it it built our relationship that we that we fought as young as young brothers together because i think like not that i fight anyone but like i like to know like 
my own abilities it's like okay i'm not gonna pick a fight with someone when i'm out drinking at the bar yeah i'll be with someone that can fight for me when i'm talking shit at the bar and it's what i usually do <laughs> i wouldn't recommend that but you you've know, been god there knows you've, yeah, god knows we've been there but i don't know i think innately human males specifically and i know i'm generalizing here have a have a gresham right and finding a you know and i'm not going to call it healthy i guess but you know rivalry is a fact of life right mm-hmm and to kind of have an environment with your older brother, you know, somebody you love and trust, who's actually, he's not going to actually hurt you, hurt you. No. Right, being able to kind of, it sounds old school and maybe a bit chauvinistic, whatever you want to say. I'm sure the cancel culture crowd would come for me pretty quickly, but <laughs> it's an essential part of a young man's life is growing up and just uh, kind of knowing your limits and getting beat up a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's you know, where, like, rumor has it, that's where... It's OL- not for everybody, but... Rumor has it, that's where OLG got their slogan, know your limit, play within it. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably, but you never knew. You never figured it out, did you? No. Yeah. I liked, I don't know, I liked the challenge. I always got a good hip toss for you, Q. I promise. Yeah. All right, another one, there's so many stories, one that just jumped into my head. We were we were jumping on your bed, fighting each other. Oh, Again in yeah. water down. The skull. And I shoved you, and you didn't move, and then you shoved me, and I fell off the mattress. Crack yeah. hit the crown of my head on the corner of a nightstand. Yeah, that was... That was stitches. Started bleeding. I always felt awful for that. I never obviously intended for that to happen, but damn. Yeah. But I, I didn't feel it. I was I got back up like nothing happened. It was weird. No, you were bleeding pretty good though. Yeah. It was it was a gusher, that was for sure. Nice. I think it was four stitches though. It, it was bleeding, but it was only four stitches that fixed it up. Yeah, it's a good lesson about consequences. Yeah. Maybe that's why I can't grow hair anymore from that in- incident. Yeah, maybe. That's Pro- definitely it. Probably not. Definitely it. That one spot triggered an entire response all over your cranium. <laughs> all over your cranium, yeah. Oh. S- speaking of craniums, you're I'm not trying to pump your tires here, but you're a you're a very intelligent person because you're such an avid reader and you read very fast. You're a speed reader, but you regurgitate that information at an alarming rate compared to me. Cause I remember when Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix came out. I think you read that cover to cover in like four and a half hours or something. No, it was more than that. And at the end of the day, I wouldn't really call Harry Potter any sort of serious academic literature. But, <laughs> um, no, you know what? Like, uh, I've been very fortunate in the sense of I was a terrible student. You know, uh, ADD. ADD, fuck with me. And uh, yeah, I just didn't really like school either. So reading is the only reason I have any sort of high school diploma. Interesting, yeah. Just the advantage I had just with my natural reading abilities, the only thing that got me to a point where I wasn't going to be a complete and utter failure. Yeah, it's... Uh, I know that sounds drastic, but... No, no, I, I get it. Reading reading gave you an escape, so to speak. Yeah, I didn't really have many other tools in my toolbox, either by choice or my own shitty decision-making. Yeah. But reading is one of those things that kind of enabled me to just get through it, and it's really served me well my entire life. And I think... Uh, you know, I think uh, I think the power of reading and teaching kids to love reading and love books, I think that's underrated. I think people are kind of so obsessed with these screens where you can pull up any sort of video or fucking God forbid influencer or God any, of, any of that trash at a moment's notice. I, reading teaches you about delayed gratification as well, right? Yeah, good point. So it teaches you about focus. It teaches you about delayed gratification. It expands your, your vocabulary. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm no I'm no expert on anything realistically, but no. I, I would credit reading and my love for reading. It's like um, it's like Ruth in Ozark says, "I don't know shit about fuck." I don't fuck. know shit about fuck exactly. And that's pretty much me. Hundred percent. The amount of the amount of topics I've covered 
on all these episodes and like I know fuck all about them I try to teach myself about them and then learn throughout the journey of the episode what's going on but yeah I, I still at the end of the day I don't know shit about fuck just expanding your horizons right yeah that's all it is and a good story so I got a story for the pricks out there March <clears throat> March of 19 me and Aaron are in Thailand mm-hmm. we're in Koh Lanta which <laughs> is a southern island right yeah south uh, southwest of the country yeah so southwest corner of Thailand Koh Lanta mm-hmm. beautiful place beautiful spot um, we Aaron uh, Aaron decides he wants to rent a scooter and the scooters they had in Koh Lanta they were they were like mopeds right yeah, <coughs> yeah, probably closer to a moped as far as North American standards are concerned. Yeah, but I remember maybe you could hit sixty kilometers an hour. Yeah, which I rem- is enough to kill yourself. But yeah, but we were uh, there was a good way of commun- of uh, transportation to get around the island. Oh, it was perfect. Yeah, going from bar to bar, right? Yeah, because we uh, we went to uh, this Rasta bar. Can't remember what it was Freedom called. Freedom bar. Freedom bar. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, we were out there drinking. I don't know if we had happy shakes, but we were just drinking to excess and then we went back to we were like okay time to go home we go back to the hostel get on the moped i'm uh you're driving i'm in the back got my arms around you like holding on (laughs) and we're we're polluted and mostly me as the driver and we're swaying a little bit like just on the road and we're like oh we're doing good you know you give yourself that false sense of hope when you're drunk like that and hour then, 12 of ever riding a two-wheeled mo- <laughs> two-wheeled electric yeah anyway yeah you- and obviously guys in thailand you don't need to pass a course of any kind Mm-mm. to uh you just you just give them the 80 bucks and you get it yep but anyways we're driving we hit we hit a pothole it was a pothole and we uh, the bike falls over yep and i would have uh i would have had road rash from head to toe if aaron didn't primally in midair <laughs> grab me <laughs> Grab me and slide on his unshirted body across the pavement. Yeah, that was a good one. He took the brunt of the road rash. Well, that's the least I can do. I put us into that fucking but situation. I, it's, it might have been top three maddest I've ever been at you in my oh, entire life. Oh, you were life. pissed for like two days. Do you like remember what days? I said? Do you remember yeah. what I said right after? You said you screamed at me shrilly, like just out of pure fear and anger. Who takes that turn on a pothole like that? You know, like it's just oh, it's fucking classic. And just the pure genuine emotion. It was oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant because we don't really, we very rarely actually get legitimately angry with each other. No, like it, I, it hasn't happened very many times. No, it takes. I don't takes really. A, I don't even remember honestly. It might be a fault of my. I don't really get angry at anyone. Couple ever. fun blackout episodes, but we can go. We yeah. can refer to those later in the show because those are some great stories too. But yeah, we'll come back to those. The for a teaser, the the time we tried to wake the dead. That's a good story. That was a good one. Yeah, that was absolutely ridiculous. And I'd like to say I was eighteen or something, but no, I was about twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> Age is just a number. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you've done. Uh, so you're, I'm not going to say what you do for work, but I'll say this: you work out west in the oil and gas industry. Correct. And I've never, I've me personally, Aaron, I've this is the most content and happy I've seen you in your entire life with oh. your job situation. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. You like what you're doing? Yeah, it's good to feel engaged. I'd rather be overutilized than underutilized, right? Yeah, it, it beats roofing. I bet. Oh, you're damn right it does, especially in this province. Yeah. The heat, man. Yeah, and you you're, always uh, forget about the heat. Yeah, the humidity. Because you humidity, don't you don't yeah. get humidity like that in Alberta. No, it's pretty dry, which makes the winters easier to deal with too. Yeah, because you get negative forty, but you don't get wind chill like we do. Nah, still wind chill, but it's just there's not the moisture in the air. It's hard to explain. I mean, 
If I'll take minus 40 in Fort Mac over minus 20 in Southern Ontario any day. Yeah. Because as long as you cover your exposed skin, it doesn't get in your bones. Does that make sense? I'm sure I'm absolutely butchering any sort of climatologist's opinion or any sort of like basically educated or trained person at all, but it just doesn't get into your bones like it does out here. I mean, out here, you just, once you're cold, you're fucked. But out there, as long as you, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. That's ah, pretty one. much, that's pretty much the, uh, the motto. Put that on a t-shirt. I think somebody did. Put that on your weather I'm forecast. definitely plagiarizing something there. Yeah. Shout out to whoever said that. Shout out to Mac, I guess. Mac Mountain. Somebody Club, like yeah. that. Yeah. Sale. If you're listening, come at me, bro. <laughs> Build don't, up. Guys, don't come at him. He'll put you in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a psycho. Remember when usually. we were? Remember when we were roofing? Because you you roofed for years on and off, and you would always mm-hmm. bring me on. It would be good cash work. Yeah. Uh, fucking the hardest labor I've ever done, probably. I yeah, I enjoyed roofing. No future in it. Yeah. Unless you want to be addicted to oxys and broken, but I just love how we were the only two guys with licenses. Yeah. Usually on each job site. Yeah, literally. The one guy had multiple DUIs. He's like, Oh yeah, I just get picked up at the Tim Hortons by the foreman and he takes me to the job site. You know, who's that Prussian general who once said, uh, Zachary, you might be able to help me out with this. He said the yeah, the uh those in society which can provide no use must inevitably be the main body of an army, of any nation's army. Or it's roofers. <laughs> in, that's in asterisks. <laughs> like, these guys are the biggest fucking degenerates. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying they're bad guys. Really not. But Jesus, man. And then payday comes, see and ya. they disappear for four days. And you're yeah. just like, all right. You see him in a bus stop a couple blocks away. You can make good money roofing if you own your own business. You just got to find reliable help and good fucking luck with that. Yeah, you need a good number, too. For sure, and then if your one, lead hand only has a DUI, you're doing okay. Exactly, just pay the insurance and suck it up. Yeah, no opioid addiction, perfect. You're 100%. hired. Yeah. Well, for now, anyway. Yeah, because we, the guy we worked with a little bit, didn't he have a buddy fall off the roof and die? Yeah, yeah, his best friend. And then he he went to work like the next day. Yeah, yeah. like nothing happened. Yeah, that was his best friend in the whole world too. And it just forget what it was, freak accident. A jack gave out, and uh, yeah, I think the rope actually snapped because the friction. Jeez. On the eavesdrop and the fascia, and it cut through, and Buddy fell and just never moved again. Until they loaded him in the back of the van in a bag, but yeah, never moved on his own again. Yeah, that was his best friend, and that to this day, like, because I still talk on and off to that guy because he taught me a lot about just life in general. You know, yeah. even if part of it was what I don't want to do. Yeah. Um, Shout out to him. He didn't have a bank account, right? He kept all his money. Yeah, I can't can't mattress. really go into his personal financial troubles, but let's just say they were. <laughs> They were monumentous, <laughs> and a lot of people with a lot of government authority were after we're every cent that he brought in. Yeah. So that's what the casino's for, right? Go exactly. in, have some dinner, and cash out your chips, and nobody can know. Nope. I don't know how it is now, but that's what that's what he used to do. Anyways, uh, none's the wiser. None's the wiser. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, roofing is a. I've worked in a lot of dangerous industries, but nothing as blatantly negligent as roofing. You know, I've worked in oil and gas, I've been in the military, I've done roofing, you know, I was an arborist apprentice for about a year and a half when I first got out of high school. Tunnel mining. Tunnel mining, you know, high-rise residential construction. You've been in the shit. Done a lot of shit, but nothing was ever as blatantly ridiculous and negligent as roofing. And it's just a commonly accepted practice. It, it has gotten better in recent years because yeah. the amount, the sheer amount of fatalities they were experiencing every year. I felt safer tower rigging 300 feet in the air in February than I did on a roof at any given time. That's crazy. So what does that tell you, right? Yeah. 
it's uh but it's one of those industries that's just kind of being regulated out of existence as well right the wcib premiums for a legitimate roofing company insane. with guys in the books are absolutely prohibitive to anybody but the biggest players like d'angelo or yeah is the one that comes d'angelo roofing rain tree guys like that the yeah. big the big guys in the block they can afford to pay those premiums the mom and pop because they're can. all about quantity right and you know as a result of regulation being so extreme for that industry the quality of the people you'll get to actually come and grow up within that industry of the individual craftsmen because i don't give a shit what anybody says roofing can get pretty complicated it's not the hardest job in the world but you know when yeah. you take into account how damn beat you are at all times you know just standing in the sun on an angle on your knees using your, your lower back. back to lift 80 pound loads hundreds of times per day in some cases and then you throw in some of the more technically complex roofs right and it's just like like the door the are they called dormers the things on front of the yeah there's dormers and the valley is always a pain in the ass you're cutting the shingles yeah yeah long story short there's a lot of things that go into it that people don't realize and if you want the trade done properly you've got to entice people to stay and learn properly yeah give them growth potential it's just at the end of the day the wages aren't there and that's largely due to the fact that yeah some company owners are greedy pieces of shit fair but uh at the same time with the amount of regulation surrounding the roofing industry it becomes almost impossible to do business and incentivize good people to learn the learn the craft yeah you're deterring them away almost and that happens in a lot of industries right i mean what starts off with maybe good intentions just absolutely ends up lowering the overall quality of uh, not only the personnel but the finished product so yeah no that's i get that for sure it's a story of western democracy realistically yeah and then i want to i want to get into your army too because yeah you were in the army for four years Mm -hmm. you were a combat engineer i was you were a member of uh you were out of cfb edmonton where you were stationed yeah and you were one cer was the regiment right one combat engineer regiment yes And guys, for those of you who don't know, uh, combat engineer is the most one of the most dangerous trades. Oh, I mean, it's any of the combat arms deserve equal credit. Yeah. And I didn't. I never saw combat. Never got the chance, no. which is fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, at the time I was really disappointed, but now that I've grown up a little bit and matured a little bit, I'm actually quite grateful. Yeah, I remember you telling me when you didn't get the deployment, you were saying like, "Q, it's like you have a trade. You're training for work. You're training for the work to do field work, and then." They say, oh, no, you can't do the field work yet. I'm sure anybody who's uh, done any sort of athletics or any sort of uh, dance or even drama or music, they can attest to how disappointing it would be to put in all those thousands of hours of practice, essentially, and repetition and hard work to Mm -hmm. get to a certain point and then having it being taken away from underneath you. Not a good feeling. No, terrible feeling, yeah. Imagine, you know, doing wind sprints all season, waking up at six in the morning, two a days, three a days, football, right? Then all of a sudden the championship game rolls around and it gets canceled. Yeah, kind of. You know, it, it's it was interesting because it was a good uh, it was a good experience in the sense that you realize that the world doesn't give a shit about you and that's okay. Yeah, right? brought you down to earth. Yeah, it, it really does. It really does. It's uh, you got to define your own purpose and meaning. You can't really you can't latch onto anyone else's no. idea of what you should be. Yeah, no one's gonna help you. You well, you it's, gotta... people will help you. Good people will help you, and the army helped me in a lot of fucking ways. Not just with the training aspect, but just the regimented routine. to be a better per like just to be a better, more competent human being. Realistically, yeah. but uh, you know, I joined it because I was lost. All right, I, was, I just didn't know what else to do. And at the end of the day, though, uh, yeah, it was a very good lesson in life. Just you got to make your own uh, make your own bed. All right, you can't rely on someone else to give you purpose 
because yeah. it's not sustainable in the long term. No, it comes from within. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I had um, sit, while we're on the while we're on the topic of the army, um, and it, first of all, uh, shout out to anyone who's served or is serving all the veterans out there. Canadian drinking team, woohoo! Canadian drinking team, baby, baby. Professionals, man. Professionals. Oh, the engineers were the worst. I thought like the artillery would be the worst, the tank guys. Yeah, we're all bad, but the engineers have literally built this culture around drinking and being a combat engineer. Like our engineer song. You know, it's literally about picking up some girl in an old 19th century town, you know, drinking rum and trying to take her home. Right? I it's gave just... my love to Karen. And you know what? It's it's interesting to see the blowback of that culture. Uh, right now, we're in a we're in a place where, God, we've lost four of our top military officers to uh, sexual harassment and sexual, you know, like inappropriate sexual conduct in the workplace yeah. to inquiries. And I got to be real. I mean, a bunch of the old guys might grumble that, oh, hurt feelings. And no, you know what? This needed to happen. This needed to change. A change in... And a change in culture. In we we culture. need a positive change in culture. We need to start treating it as a profession rather as something that delinquents are doing. You know, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, the Canadian Army is one of the best in the world. If it is maybe a little bit underfunded and under-equipped, it is still one of the best in the world as far as individual training is concerned. Mm -hmm. Mostly out of necessity, I might add, because we don't have the money to specialize. You know, as an engineer, I was also a radio operator. And I also had infantry training, close-quarter combat, stuff like that. I yeah. Mean, you had to... But, you know, the uh, the level of professionalism, the level of competency of your soldiers is directly influenced by your, your military's ethos and culture, right? And mm -hmm. the culture, in a for a long time, especially in the Army Combat Arms, was toxic as fuck. Yeah. It revolved around drinking, not getting caught, and anyways, I'm not going to elaborate too much, but no, it's no, nice yeah. to see that uh, it's finally modernizing a little bit, as it should have. Yeah. Better late than never. And hey, there's plenty of industries that are going through that kind of transitional... You know, transitional growth right now. I mean, look at movies, movies and film, or film and uh, TV, right? With the Me Too movement and everything else, that was a necessary. That was something that absolutely had to happen. Yeah. Right. Like we need to, as we go forward, we need to. It's it's about equality too, right? It's about a variety of factors, but equality and respect for other people who are different, whether it be their gender, race, religion, creed, yeah. any of those Whatever. things. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we need to move towards. Yeah. Um, obviously, you still got to realize that you're involved in a profession that literally deals with killing people. I mean, let's not dress it up. That's what infantry, artillery, armored engineers, that's what you're there for. Yeah. You know, you're, the... you're there to inflict violence uh, on the behest of your government, which has its own series of problems. I'm not going to get into because I could go for. No, you know, the we could do of, four hours oh, on that. I could go for the rest of the episode. But yeah, there's no reason that uh, the members of our military can't conduct themselves with the utmost respect and professionalism to to the citizens they're supposed to be serving. Yeah. And if they're not... And yeah. fellow soldiers, I might add. Yeah. Fellow soldiers, yeah. Because, yeah, you, you, you still have... You still keep in touch with your Army buddies when you're... Yeah. Yeah, I uh, got the chance to see a couple of them when I went out in November. When I made my little road trip to move out to Fort Mac, I got to see my buddy... He gave me a tour of the old unit. And that's sweet, yeah. Got to see all the weapons we used to play with and stuff. I probably shouldn't say that, but anyways. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. We'll keep that in, we'll but just that's keep, all right. Yeah. Just maybe keep the Ben out, because, yeah. Yeah, all good. Would be hard to track that one down, and he would actually get charged and probably thrown in DB, so. Maybe edit that out. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Noted. I'm not here to snitch. I don't believe yeah. in snitching. Yeah, but on a <clears throat> on a more serious note, um, I came across this article in the National Post this week. Mm -hmm. It was um, it was out of London, Ontario, and it was about a soldier who was battling, an ex a veteran who was battling PTSD and homelessness and they 
found him. He unfortunately uh, met met his own demise there. They found him. They found him dead. And he did two tours in. Uh, sorry, let me just pull him up. His name. <clears throat> yeah, his name uh, was Benjamin Van Eck, and he was Second uh, Regiment Royal Canadian Horse Artillery. Yeah, it's a that's a fucking awful story. But I I want to talk about it because no one. No one uh, talks about it enough, the lack of support for veterans after they come home and reintegrating them into everything. And Yeah, so there's there's two sides to this, and both of them um, can be correct at times. So the first side is, once again, it comes back to the culture in the military. So whenever you're about to deploy, you have to go through a process called dagging. And essentially all dagging is, is you're going to see your psychiatrist, you're going to see your medical staff, you're going to see your chain of command, and they're essentially judging either through physical tests or, you know, uh, mental assessments, whether you're actually ready to go, whether you're deployable, whether they call it, uh, they call it mentally strong for combat operations. Okay. Right. And the one thing they did, you know, MSCO. Well, don't, don't get the acronym because once again, it's been a lot of years. I haven't dagged since God, 2011. I love a good dag. Love a good dag. I love dags. Anyways, uh, that was completely unrelated. But at the end of the day... It's probably about four weeks of different meetings with financial counselors, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, and they're just essentially assessing whether you're fit for duty. In all aspects. In, in literally an environment that's probably the most stressful thing a human can experience. Yeah. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just combat. I mean, violence in general is stressful for the human experience. It's oh, for stressful sure. for the human psyche. We're not, you know, as much as warfare is an aid in us and, you know, con- and conflict is an aid in us, our brains don't handle it well. No. They really don't. Anyways, so the systems they had in place, I would argue, failed that man the second time he deployed. Yeah. From what I was reading in the article, and this is a story as old as time, he went through the DAG process the first time, he deployed, suffered some pretty serious, they call them occupational stress injuries, um, suffered an OSI of some sort, came back, and then he would have had to go through the same process all over again. So... Hmm. At what point should they have caught that? At what point does somebody get held accountable for allowing this man to go back into a combat zone, clearly on the precipice of a, of a pretty serious uh, life-hindering, life-hindering mental condition? Yeah. Maybe did he possess, did he have this great, maybe he had some leadership thing within, within the guys he went on tour with, so they wanted him back for that reason, for team morale. Did. So this leads me in my second point. Good point. If... You are, if you're tight with your... So, as an engineer, they don't call them platoons, they call them squadrons. Squadrons, okay. okay? Which is, you know, just the way the same thing is... A sapper is the same as a private, a squadron is the same as a platoon. So, when you're uh, when you're with your squadron, and more specifically within, within your troop in that squadron, obviously you form this incredibly tight bond. Yeah. You guys get... You know, a lot of those guys that I was serving with in 1-3 um, Field Squadron, one troop, I had been in basic with. We had been best friends and family just by the very nature of what the military is for years. Yeah. So, yeah, when it comes time to deploy again, I absolutely, one, I don't blame Mr. Von Eck whatsoever um, for probably lying through his teeth to get back on tour because he didn't want to let his buddies down. Yeah. And two, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to blame the military as a whole because, quite frankly, you're told before you dag, even by your leadership, lie. Lie, lie, lie. Do what you have if to you do to get deploy, there. If you want to deploy, fucking lie through your teeth. Everything's yeah. fine. Everything's going to be fine. My finances are in order. My wife's cool with it. It's all good. 
So that that comes down to uh, that's a toxic culture thing from my from my no, perspective. For sure, right? Yeah. That's and I don't blame the leadership either, because if they're going to go get shot at overseas, they want a guy that they know has the skills and has the you know. It's just yeah, has the it's a it's a double edged sword. I mean, where does the blame for one begin? Where does the blame for one end? You know, it's it's a two sided thing. Yeah. Guys know that they have to. In a lot of cases, even if they are struggling with stuff, they can't come forward about it because it will hinder their careers going forward. Yeah, they'll get scapegoated, sort of thing. Um, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's that malicious, quite frankly. Oh, it's okay, sorry. But I think ideally, you know, the soldiers you want, the soldiers that you can expect to, to execute, are the ones that are the most mentally strong and mentally healthy. So there's such a stigma around seeking out help in the forces, um, and I can't speak for any other military, but from what I see statistically in the United States, it's no better, right? In fact, Canada, from what I can tell at least does a slightly better job of trying to take care of its retired members and its uh, releasing members, medically releasing members, mm -hmm. than the U.S. does. Yeah, it's terrible. Very man. broad assumption, I know. I haven't served in the U.S. military, but... Yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, it just comes down to the culture, man. you got to change the culture. you got to be willing to accept that people are going to have struggles and people are going to be stressed out about things and people are going to get sad once in a while and it doesn't necessarily them make them any less of a soldier or any less committed to serving their country, quote-unquote. Yeah. Which... That line kind of makes me cringe by itself, but once again, I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, again. no, it's um, yeah, it's not just in the military. Obviously, it's it's everywhere. There's yes. a, just as around men's health as a whole. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. stigmatized, and that's Aaron. That's one of the reasons I started doing the podcast because I like to. I don't have to go to therapy anymore. I always say, but it's true. I don't have to. I love therapy. I can just air my. I go to therapy right now. Yeah, no, I was doing it before, but this is yeah. this is I like doing this is my therapy, like talking about all these subjects especially men's men's mental health because a lot of people don't talk about that and i think something i struggle with personally that uh that is a pretty well represented viewpoint from a lot of men yeah. is uh you know as a man you don't really feel valued unless you're producing something you know it, it seems in society and i'm not i'm sure that's not true in all cases i'm sure that's not true overall but you know, I, I personally, something I struggle with is I tie my self-worth to my job and how productive I am. Yes, you do. And what kind of money I'm making and bringing in. And I don't think it's a superficial thing. I think it's just part of our innate biological drive to compete and do better and excel. And quite frankly, if you wanted to boil it down as simple as we could, pass on our genetics to the next, you know, the next generation. You know, pass on our DNA. It, it all comes, it's kind of weird because it's all kind of sexual in a way. Right? So much of yeah. our base animal instincts are sexually based, right? We just want to be the attractive mate. We want to do better. We want to thrive. We want to, you know, step over our rivals, right? Yeah. Um, but you got to be so careful with that. Once again, that's, that's not coming up with your own purpose and meaning. That's just allowing yourself to subscribe to a potentially toxic model of somebody else's idea of what you should be. Right? And, yeah, personally, I really struggle, like, you know me, man. Like, I love working. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you that's when you're at your happiest. And if I got a couple of, if I got more than a week off, I start to go nuts. Yeah. And it's just, it's not because I don't enjoy the time off, per se, but it's because maybe I just don't know how to relax, and I start to feel less self-worth. No, 100%. When I think I'm that's not being is. productive, quote-unquote, whatever yeah. the hell that means. Well, that's what, that's why I said earlier, uh, you're the most content you've ever been. You're also working the most you ever have. Yep. And I think those correlate 100%. I think so as well. I love it. I love being on deck. You know, I love having to make myself available and juggle and just... And I love leading teams of people. I love people. Especially in the context of, uh, 
Yeah, especially in the context of projects and project management. Yeah. I love you, Aaron. I love you. I love you too, brother. <laughs> but the working, yeah, because you're always workaholic. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, that's intertwined with your own... Sense of self-worth. And yeah, it helps your positive mindset. Which is sometimes a problem for me. No, admittedly. 100%. Admittedly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I could see in, uh, in, in, many, in any scenario where you're working instead of being somewhere else, someone could say, oh, well, I thought we were going to do this. It's like, no, I have to work. And then yeah. the other... It's like if I made plans with you. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, Aaron, I'm coming out to Alberta in October. Mm-hmm. You say, yeah, that's fine, Q. I'll be working, but yeah, you're wo- you're welcome to stay to stay with me. Yada yada yeah. yada. I'm not going to cancel work for you because I'm going to be working, but I'll still make time for you when you're there. Hundred percent, which is fine. Yeah. And that just comes down to communication, right? Yeah. It just comes down to clear communication, and you know, I don't want to call it boundaries, but it kind of is. Yeah, we're we're pretty good communicators, though. I think you and I, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, I've never. I've always wanted you to feel like you could come tell me anything, and I wouldn't judge you for it. I think, yeah, you're usually one of the first calls. I may call you an idiot, and vice versa, I might add. Rightfully so, in some cases, but... Yeah. I was saying it, uh, I was I was saying it to someone, I think it was Z, I was saying, yeah, I have you, <clears throat> I tell, I come to you and dad for advice, and I get sometimes opposite things from each of you, mm-hmm. but I'm getting valuable information from both sides. Dad, it's usually stuff echoing my own thoughts. Yeah. Stuff that he's thinking is kind of the same what I'm thinking because we're pretty similar in that way. And then from you, it's sometimes the opposite of that and something I don't agree with, but it's so blunt and it's hard to face, but it's it's often the right thing. You got to take the middle way, brother. That yeah. Buddha guy was fucking on to something, I'll yeah. tell you. So then I take, exactly, I take each side that I get from you guys and then I carve my own path out of that with both of your insights. Yeah. But yeah. it's good. It's it's rare. I don't know if everyone has that. I love having those polar opposite advice from people, and then being able to just figure that one out. Yeah. Well, need to do a better job. Clearly, look yeah. at yourself. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, I, I I love that you feel like you can come to me, brother, and I'll be the first to know. I don't fucking know the answer. The vast majority of the time, nobody I'm just, does. Just working off the best possible information that makes sense to me yeah you're like any human being right yeah. so yeah yeah you know let's uh let's get off the personal thing and kind of segue into the idea here i mean at the end of the day does any human being have a right to tell another human being how to live their life i would say i don't, I don't think, I think so. the answer is a resounding no right yeah. and you know obviously like things like covid and international health crises and you know, all of these things put the struggle for individual freedom and individual choice into focus, right? Yeah, I, you could kind of call those buzzwords. When you say something like that, it gets people's attention and says, oh. Called the hook. The hook, yeah. Hook brings you back. Great song, Blues Traveler. Shout out, Blues Traveler. Blues Traveler. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, get advice. Try to absorb everything you can, but just go with your gut. You know, we, as a species, we made it several hundred thousand years to the apex of the food chain by going with our instincts. Yeah, they haven't really failed us yet. Not, well, I mean, debatable. But as we sit here in these uh, comfy chairs in this, this beautiful, you know, beautiful studio. And shout out Everything Hurts. Shout out Everything Hurts. And does it ever. Oh, God. Anyways. You're the, like the fourth person to make that joke. I love that. Mm. 
as we sit here and drink our beer and have this freedom we enjoy and are able to spout our opinions without a fear of somebody taking us away in the middle of the night with a black bag over our fucking head. Exactly. Let's just take a second to realize we did okay. We're doing okay as a species. Like, no matter what no matter what you hear in the news, I still believe it is the best time to be alive for the individual average human being. I mean, I, when yeah, you look I at agree. most important metrics, starvation, literacy, po- absolute poverty... Uh, deaths from warfare, deaths from even disease, even in the middle of a pandemic. Historically, we're still at lows, and it's not even close, right? So yeah. at the end of the day, I understand the need to understand others, and I understand the need to reform culture and reform society and listen to people, really listen. Yeah, really listen. To try and empathize and experience what they're going through and what their histories look like. 100%. But let's just not burn the whole fucking house down. We can remodel without taking the goddamn thing down to the foundation. Boom, great analogy. Right? Like, it's at the end of the day, like, let's knock out a couple walls, build a bond beam, you know, put in a quiet room with a nap space, and then just kind of move forward as a society, right? Yeah. Fill your garage with sex toys. 100%. Whatever you want to do, because you can do that, because it's a free goddamn country. Yeah. Well, Canada debatable, but anytime you're still proclaiming your loyalty to a monarch, I don't know if you could call yourself free, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, but you, uh, uh, yeah, some of the pricks won't know this. You were born in the U.S. You I got, was. Yeah, you were born uh, in Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, you're the only ten I see. Uh, I wish you were from Kentucky. Kentucky. <laughs> you almost had something there. I wish I was from Kentucky, too. The bourbon and the no-sales tax. Although Tennessee has no income tax, so I guess I can't really complain. Yeah, it must be nice. Yeah. Not like I've ever earned any money down there, but that's the goal. Yeah. But you can you can always move there whenever, right? Because you have citizenship. Right? Yeah, you just got to find a good job, and cooking meth isn't really up my alley right now, so uh, sorry. <laughs> that was bad. But That's all right. Walter White will appreciate that one. Yeah. New Mexico ain't got shit on Tennessee, man. <laughs> You're biased. Tennessee, You've never been to New Mexico. Tennessee, I've been there. Tennessee doesn't have shit on Mississippi, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, South's a beautiful place. A lot of problems, though. A lot of problems. Problems everywhere, man. But problems are relative as well. Exactly, right? yeah. You know, even even poor people in Tennessee are fat because they can eat so much. Yeah. It's not a popular opinion, but it's true. <laughs> also because the quality of diet is less and I understand well, that too you no know, it's cheaper to eat unhealthy it is it is but you also live in a country where you can you can move you know you can really go start fresh somewhere new if you want a higher quality of life same with Canada and a lot yeah of that's regards. what you did uh, yeah like uh, you moved west for a better job and better quality of life yeah I made a lot of mistakes man but you gotta take ownership for your for your own shit right or how, how do you learn how do you grow through experience, yeah, and yeah. accountability. Make your I mistakes, think. be accountable, make your amends if you can. Sometimes, you know, you hurt people and you can't fix it. Yeah, and that's uh, that's just consequences, man. They're all lessons. Everything can be a lesson if you look at it in the right perspective. Everything can be a lesson from yeah. the right perspective. Yeah, that's deep. Yeah, but it's true. Growth mindset, right? Yeah, I could also be totally full of shit, you know, but. Oh, it's also a possibility, probably. Let's be real. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I love the states. I do. On just a principle basis, I, I do believe it's the best hope for humankind. I know it's very imperfect and it's not executed like it should be, and everything in theory is better than in practice. But yeah, that's that old chestnut. Yeah. You know the idea that they had that every every man under God, whatever God is, that's a whole different thing. I'm a, personally an atheist, but. Every man under the sun, we should say, is born equal. 
right? That's a, that's a beautiful premise, and it hadn't been done. It hadn't really been done in that way by... Really? I'm going to say, I can get fact-checked on this, and please do, but, you know, like, you can go back to, like, the examples of Greek democracy would probably be the very beginning. And then you can look at things like the Roman Senate and tribunes of the people. That was a good start. And even things like the Magna Carta in, uh, in, yeah. in uh, I guess it would have been called England. You know, the first unified, I don't know if it's the first unified England. Zach and Sash should probably school me on their knowledge of this. But there have been examples of attempts at individual freedom in human history, but never before um, has it been such a widespread unified effort. Right. Yeah. And just, yeah, it leads itself to problems as well. But. For what they stand for, I still think the United States is the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Personal opinion. Like assholes, everybody has one. Yeah. No, um, all opinions welcome on this, on the prickly cactus, man. I feel like we're putting people to sleep. Yeah, do you want to get, do you want to get, like, up, do you want to get rowdy with it? Let's get fucking rowdy there, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen! Monday, Monday, Monday. I guess it's technically Thursday, but... Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. I think it's actually Friday, guys. Oh, Friday! Friday. Bender, bender, bender. Smoke them if you got them. Drink your glasses to the bottom. And toast The prickly castus, we have plenty of libations out here. We're gonna smoke a joint later. Why are we drinking Rona? (laughs) Cuz... Four more Ronas. It must have Four been, more. Shout out Tsukasa. It must have been you hitting your head on the nightstand. And there's no limes in them either. Oh, man. You know, Rona's uh, not even made in Mexico anymore. It's made uh, in it's made in North America still, but not in Mexico. Hmm. Modelo's the only... Mod, Modelo? Modella? What do they call it? Negro Modelo or something like that? Modelo. That's the only one... Uh, that's a good beer, actually. Yeah, made yeah. in Mexico still. Someone bought, someone bought Corona. They're pretty... Uh, the the beer the beer industry is pretty much monopolized just uh yeah Anheuser Busch or and Interbrew, uh, Interbrew yeah. or Unibev yeah I think what's the last Canadian one Moosehead Union they're still made. yeah, yeah they're yeah. still Canadian I think I'm pretty yeah. sure Saint Saint John right oh, New Brunswick yes yeah good oh, look at you go pulled that one pulled that one out of my ass must be the son of geography major <laughs> must be shout out to Rod shout out to Rodney so what's your take on drinking I like it. I think I have control of my own. I wish I could moderate it better at times, for sure, though. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Doesn't it kind of insane that we pay out of our fucking nose to essentially ingest poison? Yeah, it's a it's insane. That there's no sales on alcohol in Ontario. Yeah, because no, you can only get it from two places. Don't get me fucking started. Oh, let's CBO. get into it, Aaron. Oh my god! Because you Crown can only corporation burn it. <laughs> Burn it to the ground. <laughs> privatize, privatize, privatize. Yeah, well, no, you get better deal. Like, you buy in bulk at the LCBO. Like, the amount of times I would buy four cases of Dejado, four two fours, you don't get, you don't get a discount on that. You're still paying three twenty five a can. Yeah. For and it's like it's stupid. And it's crushing restaurant owners and business owners. Yeah. You know, like. I don't know how more blatant it could be. The government's not even not only controlling the winners and losers in our fucking supposedly free market economic society, but then they're fucking taking an essential item that makes you the most of your money in a razor thin fucking industry as far as profit margins go, yep. and they monopolize it. And then they expect you to thank them for the fucking privilege. <laughs> Where's the fucking riots about that? You know, whatever happened to choice? Right? I fucking can't stand monopolies, especially when they've got some fucking old broad from England attached to them. It's just killing me. <laughs> God. <laughs> God. The House of Windsor is nothing more than the world's fucking most 
rich welfare family for the record they don't produce anything it's fucking disgusting yeah well they uh they had a couple why haven't they been canceled do you figure they got a couple uh members that left right uh left a couple that are known pedophiles associates yeah. at least at you least know, yeah. not to mention a almost a millennia long history of torture and divine right and just barbaric violations on yeah. people's fucking liberties like it's just not just the fucking slave trade people want to talk about the united states and yes obviously there was a huge slave trade in the united states where the fuck do you think that business model came from the european colonial powers why the fuck do they get a free pass yeah huh like fucking people from the u.s on the northern side the union side hundreds of thousands of them bled and or died to abolish that institution but somehow the United States still gets all this shit as if they created fucking slavery? Because they're, they're because the U.S. is like the biggest to everyone. It's the Easiest main target. talking point. Easiest target. Yeah. yeah, and England's over there in the background. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did it, but... Uh. Well, we're mostly irrelevant now, so nobody's going to fucking shoot at us. That's fine. Yeah. Fucking limeys. <laughs> I'm mostly kidding. I know a lot of fucking incredible English people, but it's not the people, it's the government. That's really what I got to remember. 100%. I don't hate Chinese people. Let's be clear. I hate the CCP. I think the Communist Party of China is literally the evil empire of our time. <laughs> not pulling any punches in that one. No, let them let One of the hear largest it. concentration camp networks in human history. And we just don't talk about it because yeah. iPhones. You know what? Fuck off. It's crazy. Uh, no, actually, I didn't tell you. I actually have Huawei. Ugh. I'm just kidding. Ugh. <laughs> Fucking backdoor, backdoor spy tools. I, it is. I can't remember where I read this, but it was something crazy. The amount of people that go to school for hacking in China, because they have so many people. It was like the amount of people who are computer, computer, uh, computer trained to hack hmm. was in the, it was bigger. It was bigger than like the Canadian military total numbers, I think. Yeah, we still fucking crush him, so cry your fucking heart out. <laughs> well, Russia, too. I mean, it's the only way that they can stay relevant in today's world as far as military Cyber goes. Cyber hacking? Cyber warfare. Yeah. Right? Because it's all done with data. It's not necessarily done with actual ships and steel plates and armor and 125-millimeter tank guns. And boots it's done. on the ground. Yeah. Exactly. It's just done using data, right? So do you think when we have our next big international conflict, the na if they like, call it World War Three, call mm -hmm. it whatever, do you think it will still be troops at the borders or will it be um it will for about three weeks and then are we talking uh shiny maybe, red buttons buddy are we talking like emp because that's that scares me any sort of strategic weapons whether it be chemical biological radiological or nuclear are going to be on the table very quickly then we're just toast whoever the u.s faces they're going to realize they already realize let's be real they, they know that the only actual deterrent to u.s military force is the fact that they possess nuclear and strategic weapons Conventionally speaking, the U.S. Navy, I swear to God, all we'd have to do to defeat the U.S. Navy is gift them an American aircraft carrier and watch them go bankrupt on the maintenance costs alone. <laughs> like, it's it's not even close. Really? It's no other... It's not even close, man. Not to mention, you know, you're talking about an economy that borrows from state aid A to pay state bank B to pay state bank C for a prestige infrastructure project that a middle class that doesn't exist is never going to be able to make economically viable we're not even talking about that we're just talking about the state of the people's liberation army and it is fucking abysmal by any metric yeah well yeah what's the use of having fucking five million soldiers if only 250 to 300 thousand of them are actually equipped properly right yeah. it's yeah. a it's a show and they can't project force outside of the south china sea 
the Chinese naval institute, like the Chinese naval force, has really no um, no power to project naval power internationally. You know, you got to look at the they're states. They're not a threat. They're just not a threat internationally, right? The so only they- threat the Chinese navy has, the only threat the Chinese army has, really, is maybe if they do it quick enough, they could invade Taiwan, which would. Ugh, I don't even want to think of that because that's actually looking a little bit closer to reality on a daily basis. But what would that set off at an international? That would essentially set off. Oh, so they go. I don't know if I don't know how the Americans would respond, but I don't think the Americans could take that sitting down. I don't think they would be able. I don't think they'd be able to just take that and let it lie. Yeah. Not it's only too, it's too big of an aggression. It's too big. Yeah, it's too big an act of aggression. Even though it's been part of the you know Xi Jinping and every one of his predecessors, you know. Um, MOs for the past however many decades, ever since the Second World War and their civil war where the nationalists and the communists separated. But yeah, yeah, if uh, trying to invade Taiwan, it'd just be a bad scene for everybody on the planet, unfortunately. Like Einstein said it best, he said, I know not what weapons World War Three will be fought with, but I know World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. Yeah. And he's absolutely correct. Albert. Humans aren't very good at resisting their basic impulses. And if we have the fucking potential to use it, we will yeah. at some point. No basic impulses for sure. Because I see it all the time whenever I'm having a debate with someone and I say something that triggers them a little bit, instead of having a retort, a clever retort to my, what I said in the debate, they'll attack me personally. Yeah. And that's kind of what your quote was saying. Like, they go back to basic instincts like, yeah. well, yeah, you're bald and you can't grow a mustache. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's all tribal, right? Yeah. It's all tribal. You're part of the bold tribe. Hair gang, don't give a fuck. Woo! You know, like, Shout out. We receding over here. And it seems stupid, but it's, uh, you know, that could probably sum up a lot of the major conflict between human beings in, uh, in the world. Really? Bald a sense people? Of tri- no, a sense oh. of tribalism. A sense of the other, right? The other, yeah. And we always find ways when we're angry at people, when we don't want to like people, when we actually make the effort to kind of, because, you know, we all do it. Let's be honest. I hate to say it that way. Well, everyone's a hypocrite, I think. Everybody is a fucking hypocrite. Mildly you or... You just got to admit it. Yeah. Right? You just got to own own up to your shit and try to do better. But at the end of the day, this sense of tribalism is pervasive in every single aspect of how we take in the world around us. We're tribal animals. By nature? By nature. That's my two cents. I, obviously, you know, an anthropologist could get on here and absolutely eviscerate my argument. That's fair. I'd look forward to it, in fact. Yeah, I wish I knew one, but... Uh... I'll put the I'll put the word out over the wire there. We'll get an anthropologist on. But yeah, like throughout our entire history as a civilization, as a species, it's always been about my tribe versus the other, right? And you know, I think uh, quite frankly, uh, the right combination of individualism and common de- common purpose, common defense, common good, common unity. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to call it nationalism, even though I don't necessarily think nationalism inherently is an evil thing. Not in sm- not in small, very measured doses. <laughs> okay. You know, um, patriotism, it's not necessarily awful. I mean, took down fucking the Nazis in World War II, whether you're talking about the Russians or the Americans <laughs> or the British or the French. I thought... Th- there were <clears throat> parts of the French that I resisted, the- for the record. Shout out, to the, shout out to the Free French Army. Anyway. Shout out to the FFA. Mm. Um, I thought the reason... The Nazis lost the war is because Hitler was hopped up on speed and sent them in to Russia in the winter, same as Napoleon, and they couldn't survive the elements. Well, Hitler was a notorious drug addict, which is hilarious because the entire basis of the Aryan race line was just to preach sobriety and productivity, right? 
He was a fucking. You want to talk about hypocrites? Talk, yeah, shout out to that Goebbels. Hitler guy. Shout I know out to he Goebbels. was. I know he was mostly decent, but he was a huge hypocrite. No, I'm fucking kidding. That was totally a joke. Maybe we should edit that out. <laughs> no, we're keeping it in. I have a dark sense of humor, ladies and gentlemen. Please forgive me, but I could say, uh, from my perspective, and once again, I'm sure there's historians that would absolutely beat the shit out of me, and that's fine. But I could say, the Nazis' loss in World War II is easily attributable to three mistakes. Number one, one. the miracle at Dunkirk. If the, Nazis, if the Nazis wouldn't have waited for the Luftwaffe to come finish off the British Expeditionary Force in a, in a, you know, just a signal that they were the dominant air power, if they would have just finished them off on the fucking beach and sent the Panzer divisions in, you know, you've eliminated, you've neutered Britain, not only as a, pl- so that actually is a good segue into number two, but you've neutered one of the main Allied forces in Western in, in Europe that allowed us to land on the beaches in June of 1944. I'd say June, June 6th, right? June 6th, correct. Shout out. I'd say number two is Operation Sea Lion. So Operation Sea Lion was the Nazis' planned invasion of the UK mainland, the island. Hitler had it all drawn up, approved by his top generals, but he had two plans in front of him. He had Operation Barbarossa and Operation Sea Lion. Yeah, okay. Operation Barbarossa was his plan to invade Russia. And it's not that he decided to invade in the winter. He was not a stupid man, all things considered. He was just Strategic. a drug-addled, impulsive fucking sociopath. Um, what Hitler's main mistake was is he didn't neutralize Britain first. He started a two-front war. That's an issue. And not only that, but you know the Russians somehow, by the skin of their teeth, heroically rallied at Stalingrad and were managed to turn the Nazis back. And from that point forward, the Germans were on the retreat on the Eastern Front for the rest of the war. Yeah. Once, once the Russians got their shit together, it was over one way or the other. It was just a matter of how long. Obviously, you know, Operation Overlord and the Allied invasion of Normandy was a huge push as far as timeline's concerned. Yeah. Uh, number three, if I had to kind of chalk it up. So what have I gone through? I've already gone through Miracle at Dunkirk. Miracle at Dunkirk. Operation Barbarossa. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, if I had to kind of simplify it, it would be the imaginary army yeah, on the shores the, of Britain. The elusive army. The elusive army or the elusive, what is it called? There's an actual name for it. But it was a massive German effort. So not only the Enigma machine was fucking huge, breaking that code was absolutely massive. And Benedict, that was actually a great movie. Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbun ring. Cumberbun ring. Benedict and Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. That was a that was huge. Benedictin ass. But actually convincing Hitler that we were going to land at Calais instead of Normandy, right? By essentially creating an inflatable army of dummies and props. Like that was a master stroke in encounter in, in essentially psychological warfare. Yeah. Because Hitler had moved the bulk of his defensive forces away from the heavily fortified areas of Normandy, the landing areas of Normandy, and into the port of Calais. Naturally, it's the straightest point across the channel from the English English shore, and it would be because it's a deep water port in the northern French coast. You'd think it would be the ideal invasion location, most or direct yeah. beachhead location, right? But. The British, man. Props to the British. They fucking fooled them. They absolutely fooled them. And we were able to land at Normandy instead with a fraction of the defenders that they would normally have and managed to push up the beach. Shout out to Juno Beach. The Canadians were pushing farther inland than any other Allied force that day. Big shout out. Big shout out. <laughs> fucking heroes, every one of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd say those are probably the biggest three in my mind. Yeah, that, well, it's amazing because, yeah, he... Like, yeah, the two-front war, obviously, I've heard that one before. It's yeah. like, it's hard to split your resources that way and think you're going to get the same effort out of the fight when you are have half on one side and half on the other. Well, it's hard to focus at the enemy ahead when somebody's yeah. shooting at you from the side, too. But then, couldn't wasn't there such a supply chain and infrastructure breakdown for the Nazis when they were the ones in Russia? Like, I heard 
I was watching something. 100%. They weren't eating for so long. They were starving. They were tired and still trying to fight. It all comes down to the nature of Russian geography. At the end of the day, Hitler waged his entire war based on the idea of Blitzkrieg, lightning war. Lightning warfare. Yeah. Right? And, you know, lightning war didn't leave a lot of room for extended supply lines. But the whole point was is you could seize a territory quickly enough where you could neutralize any main defense and then the logistics could catch up <laughs> at their own, you know, like, relatively slow pace. Like Poland. Shout out. 100%. Sash. They went through Poland so fast in September of 39, right? They Can we just talk about the brave 300 bastards that literally went against a panzer division on horseback? Yes. God bless. God, pull. <laughs> like, talk about... You want to talk about the Alamo? Fuck the Alamo. Fuck the Alamo. Fuck the Alamo. Okay, so we were talking about three fatal mistakes in Hitler's World War II offensive operations. Right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole with this i mean everybody you know is probably falling asleep right now they get enough world war ii history in high school to never touch it again i find it fucking fascinating myself i've always loved starting studying the history of human warfare and genocide specifically speaking of genocide residential schools here we go how is how is it this much of a shock to people i don't we know knew, people... we all we all knew this right yeah but um like we knew that there was countless unmarked graves and horrendous shit that happened to these children yeah and all of a sudden now it's coming out and now people are willing to say the g word when it comes to regards to the canadian which the, the g word genocide genocide right which quite frankly once again those limey bastards on the other side of the ocean do deserve a little bit of the blame for this as well i mean this was their structure that was created canada never really had a say because canada really never had a fucking say in anything quite frankly i mean it's all been at the direction of the, the, the british parliament the monarchy and the, the queen but either way the the fact that canada the friendly smiling polite handshaking love your neighbor country has absolutely uh, perpetrated genocide in another race yeah at a i'm not going to say at an unprecedented level but no, no, it's not, not it's not Rwanda level but genocide, it's, but it's still genocide. Still it's still genocide. it's still an ethnic cleansing of one group of people, which is never okay. A hundred percent. I don't care what anyone tells you; it's never okay. Genocide. A hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, you had the state and the church working hand in hand in this incestual, evil relationship. Yeah. I mean, well, speaking of the church, might did as well you put see... us in the same conversation as the Spanish fucking Inquisition at that point. Yeah. Did you see what this pastor in Mississauga said? What do you say? I don't have the clip, I don't have the news clip, but he said, uh, he was trying to downplay it. He was saying it was okay, the church's involvement, because it was God's plan or something. Allegedly, I'm... I, I, th I think his, like, exact words were that for all the people who said, were, who would say that there was harm done, there would be just as many people saying that it was a good thing. Okay, yeah, so I don't know about that. Not a big fan of, you know, extrajudiciary detention and execution, but uh, can we get but, that guy's name? Or <laughs> Anyways, I'll call some friends. It'll be fun. Yeah, there we go. I'm being an idiot, obviously. Uh, if we do that, we're no better than the church and the Canadian government, right? So, um, Oh, good one. Yeah. Two wrongs don't make a right. Rule of law, baby. Rule of law and respect for freedoms. That's what it's about. That's what makes us better than the apes. Amen. By, say, by apes, I literally mean like our monkey brethren, our monkey... You yeah, know, no, you didn't, ancestors. Have to, you didn't have to clarify that one. Hey, man, you got to clarify everything nowadays. Yeah. Tell but me, yeah. Tell me about it. You know, like, uh, at what point, as Canadians, do we just kind of look in the mirror and just go, the monarchy is trash, and the state is at best a necessary evil? You know, there's this deference to authority in this country that puzzles me. 
Sorry, what does deference mean? Deference essentially means being willing to submit and accept the official narrative on a wide variety of subjects, uh, whether it be political, cultural, or social. That's my definition for it, I'm sure. So I, uh, anytime I'm with a dominatrix, I have a good deference. Yeah, but that's... Is that a good use of the word? They're professionals. It's a service, you know, like... I'm paying for it. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Freedom, baby. Freedom. Capitalism. Freedom isn't free. It's a hefty fucking fee. You seen Team America World Police? I have. Shout out Team America. Shout out Matt and Trey. (laughs) Great movie. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. (laughs) (laughs) Suck my cock, Gary. (laughs) You're an actor, Gary. You're an actor, Gary. Name's Spotswood. Uh, Coming to my limo, I'll tell you about it, Gary. You're not going to make me suck your dick in the limo. Of course not, Gary. No, suck my cock. suck my cock. (laughs) Anyways, that's a fucking fantastic movie. There's there's a great analogy for life in that movie. It's like, there's three types of people in this world. Dicks, pussies, and assholes. Dicks Mm. fuck pussies, but dicks can also fuck assholes. Pussies can only fuck dicks. Pussies cannot fuck assholes. But dicks have to be careful... Because sometimes pussies get covered in shit. It's like, a, it's this homeless guy saying it. It's so, and he's just, dr- Gary's drunk at, outside the bar. And obviously it's a marionette, right? Yeah. yeah and he's, yeah. he's projectile, projectile heaving for like 30 seconds. Was that on your vision board in the morning when you wake up, Quincy? <laughs> yeah. And his Broadway musical, Everyone Has AIDS. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. God, it's just brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all Matt and Trey, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Shout out. Yeah, we were talking about South Park. Shout out to South Park, man! Like you want to talk about one of the wittiest, most intelligent political commentaries that, like, literally Western society has ever seen. Hundred percent. It's fucking South Park. Yeah. No, me and Sue were talking about uh, South Park last week, and so good. And I didn't know he uh, he enlightened me about the chef because the chef left the show abruptly. They killed him off. Yeah, Hayes. And it was about and Sue Costa said it was uh, because of their Scientology episode. He did not like that one. Yeah. Whatever, I don't know. Whatever happened to dialogue, being able to agree to disagree? Isn't that what kind of made us this strong and, you know... Can't do it anymore because no. you're anti-this or well, opposed just, to that. You want to talk about buzzwords, <sighs> fuck. I mean, the minute you disagree with somebody, and it's a sens- relatively sensitive topic, you just throw it out there, you cock, you liberal cock, you Nazi. It's just like, yeah. fuck people. Like, At what point can we just look each other in the eyes and have a conversation? And some people are pieces of shit. Let's be real. I mean, humanity is at least 30% shit. Yeah, I, was gonna, I, I would say 27. 27? Okay. <laughs> I'll give you 28 and a half. Okay. Final offer. Sold. I understand a lot of people are pieces of shit, and I get that, but... People yeah. are pieces of shit, but in your opinion, are people inherently good or inherently bad when left to their own devices? Define good and bad. I mean, shit, that's, that's a whole different... Where's that's why it's a funny. That's why it's a funny question, because you just got to answer it. I think people inherently uh, want to see themselves and the people they love do well. Yeah, I would echo that, yeah. And unfortunately, doing well is so subjective. Exactly, what's well? Because in some cases, doing well is buying a nice house and having a decent job and having a happy family, and sometimes doing well is hacking your neighbors to death in the shitty because somebody told you so in a position of authority. <laughs> It's, it's it's dark, but it's, you know, I think what we need to do is, you know, it's all about checks and balances and realizing that genocide is a repeated behavior throughout history. And we need to have ear markers for genocide, if you will. Red like, flags that are raised. Red flags that can right? say, hey, we're going down this path. It doesn't end well for anybody, a certain group. Exactly. 
exactly. I mean, history is going to look upon you as the perpetrator, as a fucking monster, rightfully so, if you undertake those those activities. And there's going to be a lot of innocent people who absolutely didn't deserve to die or be tortured or be raped or be killed or... It's just, uh, I think genocide needs to become a widely taught part of the human experience and that we need to essentially create a warning system for it, an early warning system. Yeah, and I think uh, I think the first step is uh, control of speech, censorship. and uh, Censorship? Censorship is step number one, I believe. Like, so what would censorship look like for my podcast? Because I'm about expressing whatever's on my mind. Does that mean someone could censor me? Oh. Like, if I started talking about butt plugs for too long, they'd be like, hey, you can't talk about butt plugs so much. And it's good that you've graduated to that big a gate, but, like... <laughs> so what do you mean, which form of censorship, like... Uh... I mean any censorship, period. Okay. I mean, here's... Okay, I'm going to say it. It's not going to be well-liked, and that's fine. Hate speech is still free speech, and it should remain so regardless. Okay. Period. I don't point. believe in limiting hate speech because you create such a dangerous precedent and it's such a slippery slope because then, the, well, by its very nature, hate speech, the definition changes over the decades, right? What's allowed and what's not allowed? Well, it's just what's, you know, what constitutes hate speech and what doesn't. So with such a variable thing, if you censor it, even if it's, even if it's absolutely like there's nothing I want more than to find that piece of shit person that spews those vile messages on that 4chan message board, that incel loser. Mm -hmm. But by doing so, you're creating a precedent where you can also be censored down the road. Right? And it's just, if not, if, if one of us doesn't have the right to freedom of speech, none of us do. And it's extreme. And I understand, like, there's some horrific shit that is said by some horrific people. And there's some horrific acts that are committed as a result yeah, of no. hate speech. Um, but to those people, I'd say freedom isn't safety. It was never meant to be. You yeah. know, if you want safety... If only the people... Which is an illusion in its entirety, I might add. Unless um, you wear a seatbelt, folks. Well, you can make individual choices in your life that keep you relatively safe. Yeah, exactly. Right? Wearing a seatbelt, wearing a helmet. But... Uh, yeah, if you limit anyone, you also are potentially limiting yourself and others you agree with down the road. You know, you give the government, the state, the power to strip away people's rights and freedom because of something they say. Who's to say it's not going to turn on you in some way, shape, or fashion down half the road. a century, a century later? Yeah. And by you, I mean you as a group, you as a, you know... You as your bloodline, your you family. As, well, whatever, right? You as somebody who has a similar opinion. So censorship, I think, is step one. I think step two is propaganda, and they kind of go hand in hand, right? Propaganda is a weird one now because you don't even, uh, it's so hard to tell because there's so much information out there. You're getting swarmed on both sides of with news anywhere, more, most, most importantly with social media. It's yeah. so hard to tell what's real, and it's hard to differentiate for me personally. I mean, it's all the 24-hour news cycle. You know, like you look at these corporations such as CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, um, even things like the BBC, which is still technically a crown corporation. I don't know how you pretend you're an independent (laughs) fucking journalistic output when you you still kind of are paid for and bought by the the British monarchy. But regardless, um, all of these fucking massive corporations are owned by the same small eccentric group of fucking billionaires. Right. So if you want to talk about antitrust and antitrust isn't even necessarily something I agree with, I think 
I think monopolies, if they provide an effective product that's reliable at a good price point, should be allowed to exist. Do you have a Private example of one? I might add. Do you have an example of one? Ooh, Microsoft back in the early nineties. Microsoft. Have Apple, you seen? Although Apple was a player, but it just wasn't even. You know, Microsoft mid nineties. It wasn't even close. Have you seen? Uh, speaking of Microsoft, have you seen that meme? It's been around. It's. It's Bill Gates and Steve Wozniak and the other partner at an unveiling of like Windows 95 and they're on a fucking stage in khakis and polo shirts and they're just doing the nerdiest fucking dance you've ever seen. So that's been memed 10,000 times, but the best one I saw, it was like when when your girl gives you that text, come over, babe, my parents are gone. And then it's just them dancing and then it's uh, celebrate by Cool and the Gang playing in the background. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. But anyways, uh, they were uh, Microsoft is a modern example. Uh, it's not even the best example. Can anybody give me something else other than Microsoft? Bell. Bell Telephone Company. Mm. All right, Literally, Alexander Graham Bell founded the... I know it's obviously a lot more complicated than that. I'm not really up in my corporate history as far as telecom in, in North America is concerned. But that's all right. You know, Bell was literally the biggest monopoly. Now, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with they had to be broken up, but what I'm saying is there is examples throughout history of monopolies that provided a good product for a good price. I don't inherently disagree with the idea of monopolies. Um, but at the end of the day, there are certain platforms that should be treated as utilities, right? And I think the internet, you know, Facebook, Google, Amazon, those things should be treated yeah. as public utilities rather than I think, private corporations. I think the pro I think the problem was the internet and social media got so big so fast they couldn't regulate it. It just kind of blew and up. Thank God. They it blew up overnight, right? They couldn't regulate it. They couldn't put the safeguards in place and everything to have it fuck the safeguards. I know, no, I'm not advocating for them. I'm just saying like think about the internet. Oh, I got a headache. I was just thinking about the internet internet because it's so fucking big. <laughs> it's all encompassing. It's called the World Wide Web. And it's the greatest individual experiment in anarchy that humans have ever seen. And it's beautiful. Think of how much of the internet, like what the what kind of influence, and it's even hard to wrap your head around these days because yeah, you and I, we, all of us in this room, we grew up, you know, like even, I can't even remember the first time I logged into AOL. It was probably when I was about 11 years old. And, you know, dial up, you heard the robot screeching a horrible death in the phone line. You know, but uh, think I, about I, where we're at. That wasn't AOL. That sounded like the Jeopardy intro music when they're showing the board. Yeah, that's absolutely true. The, yeah, yeah, when they put the put the questions up and the categories up, yeah. AOL, fuck it. You, you got, got mail. mail. That's all I remember. Shout out Tom Hanks and... Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Hell yeah. And then... Fucking love me a good rom-com. And then shout out Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Fuck Billy Crystal. Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> you don't like Billy Crystal? It's a piece of shit. What do you mean? He was best friends with with Robin Williams. Best friends. I don't fucking care about Billy Crystal. I want you to. I want you to want Billy Crystal. I want. It's like cheap trick. Yeah. I want you to want me and Billy Crystal. That's pretty fucking weird. Yeah, you're pretty fucking weird. Yeah, baby. <laughs> don't king shame me. We never king shame at the PCP. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You know who should be allowed to fuck? Priests. What should they be allowed to fuck? Be careful here. (laughs) First off, I believe in universal consent when it comes to violence, taxation, or any sort of sexual fucking interaction. (laughs) Thank you. I had to throw in that metal one. And secondly, 
that was pretty good thirdly why the fuck is celibacy still something being pushed why i don't know we're denying our base instincts people we know this is fucking destructive i know a couple i got a couple nuns that uh that are against it celibacy oh. i know personally do you I, I took off the veil you know you're running a confession booth i don't know about or what <laughs> yeah if that's what you want to call it it's actually a rub and tug that i've been freaking doing <laughs> Uh, her one hand's on the bible her other hand is on my johnson there you go there you go shout out to justin what's going on sweet sister he would (laughs) like that one it's always been a sexual fantasy in my mind to fucking none yeah i know that's wrong but this might be a weird fetish well you went to catholic school yeah catholic high school do that to you man yeah i didn't even think of that didn't even think of that this might be a weird fetish i i i want to um I want uh, Susan Sarandon in a in a Nunsville. That's not weird. That's not weird at all. That's not weird at all. She's still hot. I wish you wouldn't have said that. Now I got to take a moment in the corner by myself. Oh, 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 oh! You feel that? I'm thinking Natalie Portman in a nun's habit. Oof. Oof. But it'd be better her. Speak in, uh, that Hebrew to me, baby. That doesn't even make <laughs> yella, sense. Yella, yella, yella. It's literally a complete contradiction on so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! No, she'd be better for me in a in a tutu. Oh, I love Black Swan. Yeah, shout out oh, Mila Kunis. She, no, Natalie Portman. And Mila Kunis. But Ma- Natalie Portman won the Oscar. Did we watch the same fucking movie? Do you not understand what I'm talking about? I think I do. I think you need to rewatch it there, son. Great movie. Right, we're gonna follow. Yes, it was Darren Aronofsky, one of my favorite favorite fucking directors. Yeah. Ever seen Requiem for a Dream? Yeah. Don't do it if you're having suicidal thoughts. Shooter Shooter McGavin plays a TV host that the mother watches the movie. <laughs> yeah, holy Ellen Burstyn. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely yeah. fucking right. Shooter, you're in Shooter's world now. I can't believe. I'm gonna burn that. down the house. Piss on the ash. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can't remember his name. I want to say Christopher McDonald. Who? The guy who plays Shooter McGavin. Hmm. Anyone? He had a glorious... He had a DUI about a year and a half ago. The best mugshot. I hope he got pulled over and used the Shooter McGavin persona. Oh, Could you imagine? I got a a gold jacket in my car. Could you imagine the dash cam footage from that one? (laughs) Oh, I pulled that one out of my ass again. No, you you do have quite the gape. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A slight breeze just brings it out. Brings it out there, buddy. But yeah, Requiem oh, for a Dream. That's a great mugshot. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as good as Tiger Woods' mugshot during his... uh fucking haggard. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Anyone listening, yeah, Google. Google Christopher McDonald mugshot. Strong eyebrows. Very strong eyebrows. Strong brows. That's why I like second, second best brows I've ever seen next to Eugene Levy. Ooh, those are good caterpillars. Yeah, those are caterpillars. Yeah, right? absolutely. That they're, man fucks. They're cocooning. That man fucks. Eugene Levy, Canadian. Does anybody else shave their unibrow here? Um, uh, I used to shave it, and then someone said, "Don't shave it; it'll it grows back fast when you start shaving it." They said to pluck it with tweezers. But regardless, it's gonna grow back, so you might as well just shave it. Yeah. So no, I'm I uh, yeah, I'm just tweezers guy. Like I would look like Anthony fucking Davis if I didn't shave that shit. <laughs> Anthony Davis, <laughs> honestly, but, but like maybe a fo- more white, a foot and a half smaller. Yeah, 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 a foot and a half smaller, way less muscle mass, a lot more white, way less basketball potential. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's be honest too. Yeah, but he, I think he kind of embraced it because they call him the Brow. That's his nickname. Hey man, you got you know what? It's better to be memorable. 
Yeah. And I, I honestly think that's true. It's better to be memorable in life than it is to be conventional. Yeah. Well, it's it's like uh, it's like yeah. When you let's say uh, I let's say we died tomorrow. This this isn't a suicide pact. This is just hypothetical. Like fuck, I got both, excited for a second. I know you did. <laughs> Calm down over you there, put on AP. Some Judas Priest. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. But um, what if yeah? So let's say hypothetically we die tomorrow. What would the first song be at your funeral? Ooh, that's a good question. Not to put you on the spot or anything. Do you mm. want to know what mine would be? Yeah, go. Seven Years by Lucas Graham. They're a, a Norwegian group. Huh. Do you know that song, Sash? Uh, no, but if they're Do you want? Norway, it's probably not gentle, is it? No, it's, uh, no, it's, not, it's not like uh, metal. It's just it's like pop, sort of. Okay. But it's like... Once I was seven years old, my oh, yeah, daddy yeah. told me, yeah, yeah. get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. I'd probably walk out. Yeah. I would walk out in the middle of your fucking funeral. I'd be like, I'm so disappointed. This would you, would you, if it was open casket, would you, would you piss on, would you piss on me and then walk out? Um, Quincy's going to go into this world, go out of this world the same way he went in, covered in piss. <laughs> and then you just start urinating. Yeah. I'm not a huge, uh, you know, pissing is not one of my kinks, you know, I guess I could understand it, but pissing on corpses? Oh, that's a mm, that's something. Oof. Necrophilia fucking water sports, eh? Cool. That's like that's a level not even I have descended to in porn, you know? Like that's just Yeah. No uh, comment I on mean, that. I it, mean it's, it's it's been there on my Bing searches and stuff, but like that my doesn't mean anything, right? Bing searches. Oh, Bing's the best search engine, bro. <laughs> Microsoft for the win, buddy. It's just guys, it's not Bing, it's just Chandler's naked and he's like Aaron searching around his body. Chandler Bing. I fucking hate you. I fucking hate friends. I know you do. That's why I segued into that. Friends. It's just not funny. Like, tell me you're boring without telling me you're boring. You know? <laughs> I love friends. Ugh, fuck out. Fuck out. You're paying your bill. I'm gone. Smelly cat. I used to call my ex girlfriend Smelly cat. Really? Which one? No, we can't really say that, can we? Do you know why I called her Smelly cat? No. Well, no, I know why. Why? Because she is this t- fucking fish-smelling pussy. Yeah, like, there you go. You know, I've been there. I got the t-shirt. Like, what they, I got the t-shirt. Yeah. What are they feeding you? I love, I love the scents and smells of a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I'm a fucking freak, man. Yeah, I haven't showered for a couple of days? No problem. Come here. I'm, I'm, I got you. I'm in it like chow mein, baby. Hey, man. Sponge baths and tongue baths. That's what I'm all about. Oh, we have our episode name, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's perfect. Sponge bath and tongue bath. So th- this uh, girlfriend of yours you're talking about, does her name potentially have similarities to a, a ruler in Europe? Yes, okay. Something the great? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, fair we, enough. Yeah, we'll say that, yeah. Fair enough. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty nondescript, right? C- can I tell a story about her since oh, we're on it? She was fucking, she... But can I tell a anyway, story about it? Yeah, go ahead. You, I don't know if you'd call her a stage five clinger or a... Stage 15, for fuck's sake. Yeah, 15, and there's only 10 stages, ladies and gentlemen, so that, off the charts. She already named your hypothetical baby. Uh, yeah, thank you. That's what I was segueing to, um... I will. I'm. I'm strict. I'm very strict um, with wearing condoms. After uh, me and Sash's episode, I told the story about Bloody Mary with having unprotected sex with a prostitute. But from that point yes. on, I always wore condoms. Yeah. You don't raw dog it when it's on rent. Okay. Can we just agree on that? Amen to that. You know when you know 
when there's some mutual ownership involved, raw yeah, dogging's to, fun. But I used to so after yeah after after sex, like I was wearing a condom, and she would always say, she would say, oh, I think I felt, I felt you come inside me a little bit. I think the condom might have broke. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, I'm holding it. Nothing's falling out of the end of it. <laughs> I'm not Isaac Newton, but like I know a little bit about gravity. Oh, and then, and then she's like, no, like, no, like, I feel inside me, like. She's like, oh, it's like. Um, so this was literally seconds later. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I know how to pick them, don't I? How long did you keep seeing her for after that, Quincy? Eight months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you need to know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's uh, that's got to be what four four years ago. That was a long time ago. No, fuck, six years ago. That was probably the last serious relationship I had. Hmm. It's better. I like I like being single, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I uh, I fall in love pretty fucking quickly and pretty hard. I do something I've got to watch. I do with people. I fall in love with people fast. Not from a sexual standpoint, from a from a talking standpoint. That's why I love uh, talking to people. Yeah, yeah. Just all of it. Like if if we vibe well, I don't know. It's something. Uh, you got good juju's. Good juju. What's that thing, Mom? Got it's a raw. It's a mortar bowl Mortar and, and a pestle. stick and she hits it and it makes a hmm oh and it's like fucking... knocking the bad jujus it reminds me of a scene in paranormal activity it's not they're... doing a great job Ma. you might want to look into something else <laughs> so what and i what... love i love ma i do but yeah we love ma but nothing no but what is the what is it where did she get it, it was something like can you feel it? she hit it and she... i forget what she said it was like oh like the chakras are aligning or something i didn't understand it yeah yeah, to each their own. I, I didn't listen, if I'm going to be honest. I don't you're, mean to be a condescending prick here. No, you're better. You, you, no, you are a prick. That's why you're on the show. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's just, that's just how it is, though. Uh, an ornery one of that. An ornery? An ornery. What does ornery mean for those of us who don't know? Just fucking angry and grumpy all the time. Yeah, Zach, you got a better definition than that? No, that's... Sums it up, something, right? something uh, Grandma Joan would always say if she didn't have her cup of tea. Yeah, she got ornery. I like I'm it. feeling very ornery this morning. I like it. You know what I like about ornery? Is you can also say horny, and people will just assume you said ornery. Or like horn on me. Oh, horn on jerk. Horn. What did that guy just say? I think he said he was ornery. Uh, he's not smiling much. Fuck Makes around sense. and find out. Wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah. My anger is something I've struggled to control for a long time. My temper. But... <laughs> the best part about getting old is your testosterone production subsides. Yeah. And you can't help but chill out a little bit. Yeah, you'll be a shrimp dick in no time. Biology, baby. Biology. Honestly, though, getting 32, I can't even tell you how much better 32 was than 29, 25, 22, 19. I love getting old, dude. The amount of fucks I have to give about shit I don't actually care about is so much less. It's almost non-existent at this point. You never, you never have to give fucks or shits. Uh, I, I felt when I was younger, I had to. I had to kind of put on a face and wear this mask and, you know, try to be something. Yeah, you know, you just don't even really know who you are at that point. All right, it comes with experience and making mistakes and picking yourself back up and learning what you can and cannot tolerate and what you do and do not want. I'm just saying, 32 has been the best year, and so is 31, and so is 30. So the best three years. You know, like I could go on and on. It all started looking up when I hit 25. Because up until then, it was a fucking shit show. 
But it was, it's, the shit show's good. It's good to be in the shit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you learn. Welcome Empiricism, to, right? All knowledge comes from experience. Yeah. Welcome to the suck, as they say. In, embrace uh, the suck, man. Embrace the suck. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Jarhead? Uh, I think that's a Marine slogan, mostly, but yeah. I remember in Jarhead, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Can't remember the guy's name. I think it's... That's a good movie. I think it's Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal's husband in real life. Peter or something. I thought it was... Oh, Peter. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could get a fact check, but yeah. Jake he, uh, Gyllenhaal's sister is married to him. You're yeah. right. I think you're right. Yeah. We probably should get a fact check on that. Peter Skarsgård? Sa- Sa- yeah. Skarsgård. Oh, something really? Swedish. I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. What do I... What do I have? A celebrity dating show? Yeah, I don't know Sarsgaard. how... I, Buddy, your, your database, when it comes to the fucking random facts, is just unparalleled. <laughs> but yeah, there's a great scene in Jarhead when Peter Sarsgaard finds out he's going home back to Michigan. He's not getting renewed for his tour, and he's like a expert. He's a scout, and Jake Gyllenhaal's a sniper, I think mm-hmm. it goes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and Jake Gyllenhaal's ha- happy that he's leaving. He's like, why the fuck would you be happy? I have to go back to this and this at home. He's like, I've, I'm in the suck. I've embraced the suck. I am the suck or something. There's a very good quote in that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, uh, a lot of the guys I've talked to that have served overseas, especially multiple times, um, I think it's not necessarily getting addicted to the adrenaline of combat or anything like that, anything like they try to sell it. I think it's more getting addicted to the perspective that being in a war zone gives you as a human being. Yeah. You know, shit that doesn't matter does not matter. It it gives you the sense of humility, could you say? I think it's purpose more than anything else. I think it's purpose. You're there for one job. Stay alive. Survive. Kill the enemy. And I think for a lot of people, that's incredibly addictive. And, you know, if you look at the type of people that join the military in the first place, almost all of us are looking for purpose or meaning. Right? Which is why, in a lot of cases, we sell ourselves short and go to serve the nameless, faceless, bureaucratic fucking weight that is uh, the Department of Defense. Yeah, uh, I want to say Ruth B is the singer. I am a lost boy from Neverland, always on the run from Peter Pan. Gross. I don't know. I shouldn't have broken the song again. Fuck, I keep doing that. <laughs> You're it. I keep doing it. And mm. A lot of people, I've been asking people, they're like, I don't really like it. But You know what? Fuck what people like. As long as you like it, that's all that matters. Yeah. And uh, guys, I still there's still no karaoke, even with the stage two of reopenings here, so... I gotta, I gotta get my music out somehow. I gotta spew, spew the lines I remember from music. Voice of our generation, there, Quincy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to? What do you say, Aaron? You want to wrap it up? Well, let's crack one more beer and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Is that fair? We got some Guinness blown in the fridge. Yeah. Maybe we could lighten it up a little bit. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. My ba- I put on a. I put on a vest, like that mover, I put on a weight vest before, so like my back's doing pretty good with the heavy, with the heaviness of this, so I could go for another hour. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> Listening to this is a burden. No. People, that's the thing, Aaron, people, um, people are used, used, this is no, like I said, this is number 12, so people are used to any and all discussions. Yeah. Whether it's laughing or crying or jerking off. Yes. No, just kidding no one jerks off to this except me <laughs> <laughs> true chef does not fear his own cooking all right <laughs> one time when we were really really inebriated i was like punch me in the face you pussy 
Oh, there's been a couple of like times I, where you've... Uh, I, I just told him to punch me in the face, and then I questioned his manhood for, like, 15 minutes. There's been a couple of times And then times you where slugged me in the face, and I was like, why did you do that? I'm your brother. <laughs> I thought you loved me. That actually happened. It was a dare followed by a guilt trip where he fell quickly. <laughs> That's not like me to guilt trip anyone. No, never. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about something lighter. What's something light we can talk about? How about yeah. that Miami building collapse? Yeah, how about that oh, Miami building collapse? So that was probably pretty heavy. Yeah. Architecture jokes. No, let's talk about Minden, Ontario. You uh, rented an Airbnb in Minden, Ontario, yes. one year. Yes, yeah, a beautiful cottage that I thought was secluded in the middle of nowhere. It turns out it was located right beside a family ice cream store. Great place for us to do mushrooms. And get fucking loaded from sunup to sundown. Was it the Minden cone? Oh, you know what? I think it might have been. <laughs> Right on the lake there, right? Like people coming on their boats. Yeah. That's oh god. It was next. Yeah, I was like, Aaron, this isn't a secluded dock. Like no. we have to cross the road. We traumatized so many children. Remember, like, let's give a couple snippets. Not um, as much as a residential so, school, but yeah. So, oh. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Wow, we dim the lights. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Don't be sorry. Be better. No. Hey, you don't have to. <laughs> I don't. I don't have standards on this podcast. People know that. <laughs> I can tell. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, no. For the yeah. So it was. It was Canada Day. I want to say of eighteen or nineteen. I can't remember the year. It might have been seventeen. Yeah, I'd say eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. So. Guess. Yeah. So we. Uh, it was. It was me and you. Three other people whose name we won't mention. Yeah. Good friends. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good people. Yeah. Good people. Uh, great. We love the cut of their jibs. <laughs> yeah. That's love, the best compliment you can give a friend. I like the, the cut of his jib. It was a vibe. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. For the younger demographic. Fuck the younger demographic. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we were in we were in Minden and um, Instagram narcissist. We had uh, we had how much how much mushrooms did we have? Uh, I think I brought fourteen grams. Fourteen grams, yeah. but I but I'd never done them before. Yeah, it showed. <laughs> Some of you are rookies, and it's showing. Some of you have never had a conversation with God, and it shows. <laughs> but we were so drunk. We were drunk 24-7, and I think that's why I was so drunk. I was blackout and then took the mushrooms and must have had an adverse reaction. Yeah, we went full on fear and loathing in Minden. In Minden. Yeah. Shout out Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Fucking what a legend that guy was. Yeah. But no, so Buddy was in the paddle boat. Or <laughs> there was four of us in the paddle boat. Yeah. You guys sank a fucking paddle boat. Yeah. It How was, is that possible? They're designed to be for children, to be as buoyant as possible. They're and designed for be for children, and I sank it. How ironic. Watching go down in that paddle boat with oh, both of his work phones. That's that was okay. probably we, top ten moments of my life. And he's like, oh, that, those are my work phones. Like, no one's going to get hold of me. It's not like I'm out of province or anything. That's so funny. Oh, oh shit. Bleep. Oops. Yeah, no, no, because uh, Bleep was working out of province. I can see how easy that is. That's and dangerous. Then, and then Bleep told us a story about how he was lost for three days in the yeah, Kawarthas. The Kawarthas, yeah. Do you remember? I can't remember it very well. So, hammer drunk, grabs a boat to go back and get some darts. Always mistake number one. Let's be real. Anyways, gets lost, can't find the cottage on the shore, boat runs out of gas, drifts in the current. Day turns to night. It's already night. It's already dark night. of night, which is why he got lost. He couldn't recognize what the cottage looked like. He was just hammered to begin with. Or she. We're going to be very nondescript. Anyway. Or it, or it. Or it. True. They, even. Exactly, yeah. I don't know nowadays. It's very, very confusing. 
which is not true. I'm just a lazy son of a bitch. But but yeah, back to... Long story short, can't find the cottage on the shore, lets the current drift him to wherever it may, ends up having to walk something around 40 kilometers to the nearest town, finds it shut down completely because it's 3.30 in the morning. And but he's, is, he's in flip-flops and a bathing suit? Flip-flops and a pair of swimming trunks. That's yeah. it. Here, going forward, let's call him Rick Okasik. That'll be... Rick Okasik? Okay. Yeah. So Rick Okasik finds himself stranded on a pretty remote part of the shore in a relatively, you know, um, low residential part of the Coorthos, right? So can't find the cottage, wasted as hell, ends up running out of gas in this little aluminum fishing boat that he's dingy. in, floats to shore, uh. ends up walking something like 40 clicks, two ways, to this little town, realizes there's nothing there for him, runs out of a day, turns around, sleeps under the boat, because that's a great fucking idea. <laughs> right? Middle of the woods, Northern Ontario night, sleeps under the boat. I don't know. Whatever. And he woke up. He was hallucinating. Woke up. No I guess water. we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Wakes up. No water. Sun's out in full force. Hung over his shit. Ends up kind of remembering the road that he's seeing like outside of the forest. So he walks down this road for probably another good five or six hours. At this point, he can hear RCMP or an OPP choppers overhead. He can hear fucking fast boats in the water. He yeah. doesn't know it's for him yet. <laughs> Makes it back to Buddy's <laughs> cottage, and this is one of his like good buddies, right? And his good buddy brought him out, and he didn't know anybody yeah. else there. And Rick Ocasek is a natural comedian, by the way. Natural, charismatic, can get anybody to like him. But in this particular circumstance, so he's surrounded by about thirty people. 29 of which have no idea who the fuck this guy is. Just that buddy brought out his Just, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And their party's being interrupted by a fucking OPP interrogation and search. Yeah. They must have had to hide the cocaine and all the other illicit oh, substances. All of the drugs they had. It's just a huge inconvenience on everyone's <laughs> part. <laughs> and breaks out of the woods. Bleep. Ugh, Rick Ocasek. Rick Ocasek breaks out of the woods, and all of a sudden, all he sees in front of him are three officers and every single member of Buddy's friend group that went to that cottage sitting on these porch steps. Like, you know, the <laughs> descending houses, order. the descending porch steps? Everyone's sitting there and all of them look at him <laughs> at the same time. I can't even imagine the judgment that guy felt. Oh, it's so good. Oh, You know, I don't give a fuck what people think, but societal shame on that scale, it's still fucking withering. <laughs> it's still withering. I've had so moments good. where I've woken up in the hospital covered in blood and still wasted, and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. You know, like... Good yeah. segue into the Wake the Dead story uh, we prefaced earlier in the episode. Oh, yeah, shit. Do you want to tell that, or do you want me to tell it? You tell it. <laughs> yes, we were in... Uh, I'm not going to tell you what bar we were at. I'll just say we were in downtown Burlington mm -hmm. having many libations. Libations. And it was me and Aaron and two other guys, bleep and bleep, and we were leaving the bar, and right beside the bar is a funeral home. Smith's Funeral Home. Shout out to Smith's Funeral Homes. I can say that. And then we're just walking by, and I get this weird idea. I was like... And I just look at you and say, hey, Aaron, let's wake the dead. And you're like, what? <laughs> so then, cut to, we start building a human pyramid up the side <laughs> to the of, the, of the funeral to home. the roof of the funeral home. We almost got there, too. And it's, and it's bleep one at the bottom, bleep two in the middle. I'm the third one, and you're the anchor. You're the last one. Why was I on top? Right? Were you on top? No, no, no sorry, 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 sorry. I was just below you. You were on top. I was on top. Mm -hmm. And it was a great pyramid structurally. 
Until it wasn't. Until, until Drunk Quinn started climbing. And I stepped on your shoulder. And then like kicked Grabbed the, the top face. of the building. My sure. leg my leg buckled like a... I don't know, like a... Like something... Like a belt. It buckled like a belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got you in the, hit in the face. And then it all came crashing down. Yeah. London Bridge is falling down. Mm-hmm. You landed on your wrist. Yeah. You're like, oh, I landed on my wrist. You didn't feel it for some reason. But yeah. it was like limp, wasn't it? I think I think that really <laughs> what we need to look in the mirror and kind of reevaluate here is as a 28-year-old construction worker that relies on my physical health to make a living, I decided to form a human pyramid while wasted to try to climb <laughs> on top of a funeral home to wake the dead. Wake the dead, yeah. And ended up breaking a bone and spending eight weeks out of work. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't know where I was going with it because let's say I did make it on top of the roof. All I would have done was jump around like a mongoloid being like, wake up, wake up, wake up. And how the fuck would we have got you down before the police arrived? Yeah. You would have left me. That would be the smart thing to do. No, no, I probably would have okay. taken a charge. Okay, Q, it's time for you to take accountability and you guys just hop in an Uber and leave. That would be funny. So my, that was, God, that was shameful. You know, at 19, it's one thing, but like almost 29, 30 <laughs> years old. That's why I'm not ready to be a father yet. Yeah. So there was this time I was in Fredericton when I was posted out there at the base, and there was a fair, a carnival, if you will, that was going. Shout on. out CFB Gage Down. Shout out to CFB Gage Down. Mosquitoes are brutal, and the fucking syphilis is worse. Anyways. Oh, oh bazinga. Bazinga. <laughs> Vectors for disease and diseases. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, we go out to the stake, the fucking Oromocto County Carnival. Myself and a, an old fire team partner of mine from from Basic, who used to like to drink as much as I did. Yeah, don't say his name. Yeah, not gonna say his name. Rest in peace. Um, but we go out there, and he's we're just absolutely hammered. So first thing we do, that's an absolutely brilliant idea, is we take two glass Mickey's of liquor in our cargo fucking pant pocket because we're just obviously top of our fashion game at this point. Was it vodka? Were you drinking like BAMP ice? It's Fireball. It's both Fireball. Oh. Oh, I fucking loved it. Long story short, we go in the zipper. You guys know what the zipper is? Independently rotating cars on a kind of Ferris wheel construction. Okay, yeah. Super fast and dangerous. I'm pretty sure even the best Ferris have experienced fatalities on these things. (laughs) So we go in the zipper and all of a sudden the glass Mickey in our pocket, you know it's made of that hardened glass, like the thick glass, those liquor Mickeys? Starts flying all around the cabin of this thing like a fucking like deadly projectile. <laughs> so I was just screaming. I thought you. Bleep I thought your I job. I thought your job in the army was to dismantle bombs, not set them off in carnival rides. Oh man, I don't know what my job in the army was except to drink and fucking work out. Honestly. Hey, hey, got paid. Hey, hey. Oh, Sorry. Fuck. So yeah, you're in the zipper. So we're in the zipper, getting zipped. We're know? getting zipped. We're absolutely being zipped. We're not doing the zipping at this point. <laughs> and first thing that Mickey does is fly out, ricochets off a steel edge, hits me in the front of my teeth, chips my tooth. So we're just yelling. And I literally, I swear to God, Quincy, we were going on the downturn past this carny, and I look him dead in the eyes. I'm like, please slow down. <laughs> he speeds up by at least 25%. That's so, a carny for you. So Pody gets hit in the eye, the nose. I got bald. I got bagged by this fucking Mickey flying around. He finally lets us off laughing through his, like laughing his ass off. It's like, no more liquor at the fair. I'm like, yeah, we learned our lesson, sir. We didn't. We kept drinking. Yeah. Sounds like you. Yeah, so we went back to the car, grabbed another fucking couple of Mickeys, and off we go. Because at this point, we're too deep, and that's a great idea, right? Yeah. 
And you haven't played Ring Toss yet, or um, well, you haven't you haven't seen the I don't know the the three the Cyclops yet. There's lots of attractions, tons of attractions. Nothing right? better than a small town carnival. Hey, they're good times, especially when you're absolutely blackout wasted and probably shouldn't to, be making a mockery of people in uniform. Yeah, I, I used to uh, I used to work for a guy. Remember when I worked at PPR? Yeah. I, yeah, the boss the boss there was a carny in the Caribbean. Man, I'm like that guy must have seen some shit. Yeah, and he he made he made twenty five hundred bucks off one guy at ring toss because all the games are rigged, right? No, it's not quite. But Vegas, you get but... you get someone that's impulsive and really drunk. They'll just keep doing it. Or it wasn't ring toss? Sorry, it was um, you're throwing a baseball in a basket in a wicker basket, but they put a spring in the basket, and every you have to get three out of three to win the prize. So they let you get two, and then they deploy the spring on the right, third one right but so how drunk was this guy where he he literally was throwing down money hey man i get it this is why i don't gamble yeah quite frankly i would lose everything be like my house life's a gamble double or nothing life's a gamble and i'm all about my poker chips baby hey man every fart's a gamble you can't win them all yeah that's why you wear diapers mm-hmm. shout out depends <laughs> our newest sponsor increasing workplace productivity Fuck, be careful. Amazon might institute that as a company-wide policy. Shout out, Jeff. I'm sure Amazon has its own brand at this point. That's so fucked up. So uh, there's this... um, Oh, what was that? uh, This book. Someone just... uh, Someone just gave me a book uh, recommendation, and it's all about how... Obviously, yeah, for all the terrible things Amazon's doing with their workers, they're doing um, in small town like rural US like in, in there's somewhere in Indiana that they're just the main the main jobs so they're they're creating micro economies in rural parts of the US cuz they have so many jobs in their centers right don't get me wrong i mean i think amazon as a whole uh it's hard to quantify something as being purely inherently evil when it employs so many people and provides uh food on the table for so many you know so many Canadian and Americans but uh yeah as far as the company culture goes, I haven't heard flattering things. No. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, during COVID especially, where the fuck would we be without Amazon delivery? Yeah. A lot I, of- I use the shit out of Prime. I'm not even going to pretend and sit here and say I don't. I mean... A lot of people don't like Amazon. Yeah. I know. And I understand why, but it, come up with something better then. Get some skin in the game. Quit Ev- your bitching. Everyone's a critic. Everyone's a fucking critic. <laughs> You know, people look at the uh, insane amount of wealth that some of these individuals have, but they don't understand that ninety-nine percent of it isn't liquid. They couldn't. They couldn't draw from an account. No, no, not until they have to give it to their ex-wife. <laughs> Shout out Mackenzie Scott. Mackenzie Scott, lady boss. I think it's Mackenzie Scott. I love how she's just giving away all this guy's cheddar. It makes me so happy. She's good looking, man. She's really good looking. You know what though? Like, okay. So I believe, I absolutely believe that if you are with somebody, a partner, and you build something monumental like that, she, they are absolutely entitled to half of it. My, it's Life's funny. It's a team effort, man. It's funny. My ex-girlfriend, we built this paper mache figurine. She didn't want half of it. It was monumental in my opinion. Quincy, we're not talking about your opinion. We're talking about anything of actual intrinsic value. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Which, granted, money doesn't actually have any, but fucking fiat fiat motors fiat currency so fiat currency is essentially a money source or a, sorry i is should say is that the federal a, reserve well that's part of it i mean at the end of the day uh, fiat currency is essentially uh 
It's make-believe. So people are selling cars, but fiat is the currency. So it's like, oh, I need some bread and milk. I'll give you a two and a half fiats for it. I get it because they're little cars. That's why they're small because they're a currency. Not a great bit. No. Sorry. That's a, no, I'm bomb. I always bomb on here. That's no, okay, though. It's okay. We're both bombing, and that's okay. That's okay. No, but fiat is essentially, yeah, it's uh, money without any intrinsic value or tied to anything of any in- intrinsic value. It's not tied to a resource. There's actually no way of... Now, you could you could argue that it's not fiat because the U.S. dollar, which is the world reserve currency, is actually tied on a monopoly of violence and uh, and resources. I mean, it's the largest oil and, oil and gas exporter on Earth, which, unfortunately for humanity right now, is the only real viable solution for economic progress in any advanced or developing economy. Um, in your opinion, yeah. In my opinion. I, I think it's pretty clear. The facts are pretty clear on that, though. I mean, people want to talk about solar and wind, and I say, show me the infrastructure. Well, what about geothermal? What's geothermal is hard. It's hard to... It's hard to kind of implement on a wide scale. I mean, you have some countries are volcanically active, right? In a place like Iceland, Shout Japan. Shout out Reykjavik. Shout out Reykjavik. Great town. Shout out Blue Great Lagoon. Great town. Reykjavik. The Blue Lagoon. How much for a meal again? Because you were in Reykjavik. Everything's double. Just by a, just by rule of thumb. Because they have to import it. Beautiful country, though. Because they have to import it? Or, yeah, because they have to import, import it. Import, yeah. Everything's shipped over, you know, via, via container ships, essentially. But, yeah, beautiful country. If you ever get the chance... They're not expensive. I, I don't know what the flights are now because, unfortunately, Wow Air or whatever I use went out of business. But there's a new one called Flare Flare Air. Flare Airlines. They were they yeah. were flying from Breslau from the KW airport to Vancouver. No shit. Direct. Eh? Okay. And it was under, it was under two hundred bucks. But yeah, I know Iceland was absolutely like, if you got probably five G's to burn, giver. Great week. So interesting, just the geology of it. Like, the scenery was unlike anything you'll ever see anywhere else. Rocks. It's where they filmed a lot of Star Wars, actually, the new Star Wars. Because we would get in these big vans that are, like, six inches lifted with big 40-inch mud tires, and they would drive us across these plains to go see these ice, these uh, glacier caves. Is that like a fjord, or is that something different? Fjord's more Norway. Fjord is actually, uh, from what I understand, it's a geographical region. It's an inlet. No, but there's there's fjords in Quebec, because I had a buddy that went to... Yeah, for sure there would be. Saguenay. I think that's how you say it. So Sagan, yeah, so yeah, Sagan. I can't say it either. So it's all about the rocks. It's something to do with the elevation and the tides creating in, inlets into the uh, surrounding landscape, from what I understand. But then again, I'm not a geologist, so anyone who was asleep earlier, they're comod comod by this conversation. Oh, but I love that baby. The only rocks I ever found interesting was crack rocks. Yeah, shout out South Central Los Angeles. <laughs> shout out CIA. Yeah, shout out CIA. <laughs> Gary Webb, what a legend that guy was. Yeah, G Webb, fuck. Fucking He'll get you. Be suicide, careful. two gunshot wounds to the head. Okay. And McAfee definitely killed himself. Him and Epstein both, right? You fucking tyrants. <laughs> like, how, I don't know. How do we get to a point in society where a guy literally says on the widest public forum available that if he gets suicided he wasn't the one who did it <laughs> oh yeah u.s extradition he's not telepathic he just saw a, had a sense of what was coming but how yeah how do we get to a point where we just openly accept as a society that a government is extrajudicially assassinating people we just kind of that's eh, fine because we but hey they cancel golf let's get mad about it <laughs> let's get mad about no just kidding um no, it's because you're not reading articles anymore. You're seeing headlines on an Instagram story or in a tweet or however you get your social media. And instead of doing your own research, you're taking that headline 
as the news in the whole story. Yep. That's why I have. That's why I don't think people debate with me as much as they used to. Because instead of reading that article where they saw the headline, they just read the headline and assume their own facts based on that. Yeah, and that's why, you know, largely speaking, democracy is so effective because you can pit people against each other rather than focus on the people behind the curtain. Right? People are so convinced that you know those on the right are the evil ones. And then those on the right are so convinced that those on the left are causing the cultural downfall of American society, or whatever the fuck you want to say. Realistically, you got to understand, it's always been a war between the individual and the state. And it always will be. It's not about left or right, or before, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. All of that stuff can be figured out over dialogue and a beer. As long as you're not a fucking psycho. In that case, lock you up. Right? Yeah. Non-aggression principle. Speaking Do of psychos, you want, don't hurt anybody. Speaking of psychos, uh, a shout out uh, to the Parole Board of Canada. They denied Paul Bernardo um, this week. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the death penalty, but... He should be taken out back by, and the... sodomized to death, no. in my oof, opinion. Oof, okay, okay now. No, that's too much? That's too much. It's too much. Yeah, if you were um, if you were the, the Mahaffey family or the French family, and you had to read these victim impact statements every time he's up for parole again, yeah. and put yourself through that psychologically, I think, I think you would... Before the sodomy argument, but yeah. anyways, I digress. But take him behind the woodshed. Yeah, send the family the bill for ammunition. It's one thing China does properly, anyway. Shout out CCP. Anyways, that was a bad joke, but there are monsters in our society, right? Like I don't believe in evil or good as purely uh, independent constructs. I think that's something we tell ourselves. But there are absolutely fucking monsters out there, and they're not the ones that we imagine in our closets under our beds. Sometimes, unfortunately, they're you know just flesh and blood human beings yeah it's not it's not mike wikowski exactly great reference i monsters fucking inc. love monsters inc mike wazowski no the death penalty should be reserved for the most egregious of offenders and i think he falls into that category pretty handily yeah paul bernardo not him mike, and homo, not mike wikowski. him and homoka both my dad yeah well that's what they called it we talked about it last week with sue uh the deal with the devil that she made right? yeah. and she's living in quebec uh with a new life she's got kids apparently yeah how does that make you feel? Uh, it rubs me the wrong way. I'd say so. Yeah. But nice upbeat podcast. Oh, ladies we're the gentlemen. best, aren't we? We're just yeah. like fucking unicorns and rainbows everywhere. <laughs> I don't know, man. I laugh. I, I like laughing at dark shit because it makes it easier to deal with, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Comedy is the best way to bridge a gap. You know what Big Dave situation. You know what Big Dave used to always say? Dave Sweeney, yeah. Dave Sweeney. Fucking shout out Dave Sweeney. Shout Legend. Out Dave Sweeney. Rest in peace. And that's a guy who struggled he struggled a lot with self control, with moderation, had his demons, you know, never met his father, you know, was born when his dad was deployed to Europe and then uh his dad never came home. But so he had his issues. But what he always used to say is he always used to listen to the news and read up on current events whenever he could, even the most depressing shit possible, and he called it the cost of living. He That's said, a song by Don Henley, The Cost of Living. It's it's a pretty widely it's, used popular phrase. It's not it's just the cost of Henley. living and everyone pays. Well, you should pay it. If you're not aware, right? Yeah. And it comes back to kind of what we're experiencing as a as a nation right now, this uh this new paradigm with the residential schools. It's like how is anybody fucking shocked? How? We knew this kind of shit was happening Are they, for decades they, and decades. Do they have this internal... We locked up innocent Japanese people during the Second World War in literal fucking internment camps yeah. for no fucking reason. 
right? We have a long history as a country of having this British decadence and this British fucking arrogance where we presume guilt before innocence. And you want to tell me that this is the only time it's manifested itself genocidally? Probably not. What about the shit we've never, we'll never discover? What about the shit we've never heard of, right? You know, uh, Z is just biting his tongue frothing, back there. Just frothing. Yeah, I love when Z gets gets fucking into it. He's one of the best fucking conversation. Like, Z is one of the best debaters. Yeah. Master debater. When I when I die, I'm gonna I'm gonna draft it up. I'm gonna draft it up with my with my attorney. But when I die, the uh, power of attorney for the prickly cactus is going to Z, and he's taking over as host. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. He's a lot more interesting than you are, Quincy. You don't have to. I would hope you're not. And lying. I love you. I do. Wish I could say the same. <laughs> you're just a half brother. <laughs> I broke Aaron finally. It only took Perfect. 99 minutes. Perfect. My heart's in fucking pieces. Oh my god. Got a lot of half brothers to choose from, Q. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're gonna make the cut? Not sure. Yeah. Sh- shout out to um to your older half brother. Yeah. Who you just found out about later no, on. No, he's life. still younger. Still younger. I'm still the old fart, but he's definitely more mature. In his yeah, he could take you. Life. He could take you. Oh, he could. He's a fucking big boy. He'll fucking end you. Oh, Jesus, I got dark. Dim the lights. Okay, you guys want to hear a love story to make it light? Yes. We're going to lighten this up. So, my uh, my younger half-brother, who I only we only just got to talking about two and a half, three years ago, because he found me on Facebook. You know, social media, it does have its good sides. Would he be okay with a name drop or no? No, let's, let's stay away from the names. Just because I haven't consulted with him at all, and I'm all about consent. Yeah, let's call him. Uh, what do you want to call him? Horatio. Horatio. Horatio Nelson. Horatio Kane. So Horatio messaged me out of blue on Facebook sometime in Christmas 2019, 2018, 2019 doesn't really matter. And he goes, "Hey, how do you know this guy?" Because he saw a picture of me and my biological father and my other half brother. I go, "Well, uh, it's, <laughs> it's my, my dad." dad. <laughs> and I'm like, "How do you know?" He's like, "Yeah, mine too." I'm like, "No shit." So, anyways, been down to see him twice. Met his family the last time I went down. Beautiful family. So fucking proud of him. So proud of what him and his wife have been able to do. Like, his kids are fucking awesome. His family's great. He owns a nice house outside of Memphis. He's a good fucking man. Which is weird, because we had no idea who each other were, but it was immediately like we knew each other. Copacetic. It's just the bond, right? It's it's something about your nature rather than just your environment, right? It's going to sound weird to say, you are closer than him than you are with me i would say no because same environment you guys no. have the same environment but we have we, the we have you and i are different we, did, we just have time but on we have time side. we have time right and that's not to be negated no no it's not negating but i feel like you guys you guys have the have that thing even though you haven't known each other for over three decades of each other's lives yeah there's something that's just that fundamental thing it's like the outlook and the perspective i'll give you that it's, yeah. it's absolutely the way we view things is scary similar. exactly yeah and it's just it's funny to see that happening it's not in a vacuum obviously but we had no idea who the fuck each other were but we both went the army around you know yeah. we both fucking have very similar beliefs on freedom and just liberty and just Anyways, I'm not going to get into the rabbit hole about it. Long story short, he meets his girl, his wife, actually, when they were thir- 12. Um, absolutely lovely woman. Beautiful fucking person. Wow, they got married at 12. Good for them. Well, they have they get pregnant with their first child at 15. 15 years old, they got Jeez. pregnant with their first child, their oldest. To this day, they're together, and they got two more. 
It's amazing. It is fucking amazing. Fifteen. And they're both successful as all hell. She's she's a well, she's in healthcare, does very well for herself, and he's a you know. A, Don't say it. The um, he works for a large multinational shipping company working on airplanes. We'll say that. There you go. But uh, you know what? Like that actually, for a cynical piece of shit like me, that actually gives me hope. That you can meet meet your person. Yeah. And Maybe it, I haven't. I fucked it up already. But that's besides the point. You don't know. Yeah. You never know. You don't know. And uh, yeah. Y- you're my person, man. You'll always be. You'll always be one of my people, Quincy. You're my tribe, brother. Yeah. You're my tribe. That's why it's weird. Uh, yeah. Shout out. Uh, what do you want to call it? The Philp tribe. Your name dropping. Oh, shit. Nobody knew before this. Yeah, it's not like it's in the podcast description, my last name. We're going to have to edit the shit out of this episode. And by we, I mean poor Sash and Zach over there. Well, yeah, you don't have to say it, because then they have to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, why I said, that's why I fucking said it. That's but they know that. It. They're making notes the whole time. I know, I know. I'm just being a being a dick. But All right, do you want to wrap it up? I think we should wrap it up. Do you got anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming. And being a part of this. Thanks for having me. I know bro. you had a tight schedule on your slight visit back to Ontario, and you got to go back out to out west and keep doing your thing. And I love how it doesn't matter where we are in the world; we always we just keep it the same. Our relationship never differs. Yeah, family. No matter the no matter the kilometers in between, families. or if I don't get to see you in person. Yeah, everybody in this room, man. Like I, I love you all, and I'm proud of you all, and I hope you all do. You know, like I, I'm glad you're all doing really well, and we may disagree on some things, but family doesn't change. Family is non-negotiable, unless they're a complete fucking destructive force on your mental health. That's a different story, but I don't think any love's unconditional. But this is as close as we're gonna get. So, yeah, love you guys. Thanks for having me. I love on. you too. And then just yeah, last thing I want to uh, give a shout out. So, uh, pricks, my my hamstring is officially 100% healed. So. Um, started this week. I started a little running regimen. Uh, Going to do a marathon in October. Looking for end of October to do a full marathon. I want to throw it out there to the pricks. Anyone who wants to run it with me, we let's do a marathon together. And good, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's going to be uh, it's going to be falling falling on deaf ears. If you're talking but, about three days drinking in a row, then I'm down. Yeah, yeah. So for yeah, for every kilometer I drink, you have to drink two beers. Oh, is that a challenge? Yeah. So every kilometer you run, I got to drink two beers. Yeah, and I'm running forty. 42. How long do I have to complete this drinking challenge? You got to do it in three, and you got to do it in under three and a half hours. I'm going to die. You realize that? You're (laughs) literally advocating for murder. Finally. Indirect, (laughs) like that could be a manslaughter charge. There's been another murder. We have, we've recorded evidence. Like, no, no, we don't. Anyways. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. We're on the podcast, Aaron. Uh, I know. People are going to hear this. Crazy. Nobody's going to hear this. Everybody tuned out 15 minutes in. No, but I want to, I want to shout it out. It's called The Big Little Run. Uh, it's going to be Sunday, July 11th at Guelph Lake Conservation Area. I'm going to be doing a donation sort of thing, so I'll get it up on my social medias at the prick, on at Prickly Cactus Podcast and at Quincy Philp. Uh, you guys can donate if you want. Uh, this is just a tune-up for the real marathon. This will just be a 10K. Me and Jason are going to okay. do a 10K. But it's a good cause. It's for the big brothers and little sisters of Guelph, so it's I think it's reuniting it's fo- something with fo- foster parents. Oh, you got a family in Guelph I don't know about, or what? No, no, this is just a not-for-profit. It's not my family, sorry. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Yeah, but no, uh, yeah, Sunday, June 11th, uh, running a 10K. Who? 
Hua, yeah. That's the sound of me throwing up after running. Oh, I thought here. you were dropping a Hua, like heard, understood, acknowledged. I could. You want a real Hua? Yeah. Hua. That still sounds like sounded dry like heaving, deeper, sounded, sounded like, like dry heaving. Sounded like you were going to the belly of the beast for that projectile. Yeah, seriously, though. Convince a bunch of 19-year-olds to fucking put on a uniform, and all of a sudden, they're all retching at the same time. Boom. Boom. Goes the dynamite. <laughs> Anyways, right. yeah, that's our that's our show for this week. Thanks to Aaron Philp. Thanks to Everything Hurts. As always, gracious hosts, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. Hey, maestro, cue that Sukasa outro. Okay, welcome to the Prickly Cactus. We be out here, we talking this and that shit, yeah. Hey, and you can go and check the factus. We talk real shit, not just tissing ass. Sit there harder when we smoking on the stanky. Finger banging shit, and I ain't just talking freaky. Yeah. You like some hey, but don't finger bang a lawnmower. He did that shit, and now his fingers ain't on no more. And you got Quincy looking like a left nut. When he was a kid, he say what when you said what? Now we got a podcast and that shit fun If you don't like it yet, then you can lick it this, huh? So if you don't want us to break your back, bitch, then tune in Because we talking this and that shit If you don't want us to break your back, bitch, then tune in The podcast Prickly Cactus, Prickly Cactus.